Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talk and they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here come the show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. It's all about that BS, baby. You know it. What's up, BSers? Bittersweet show tonight. It is. Hopefully you got your tissues. It's going to be an emotional one, I'm sure, for most of us, some of us. I don't know. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Fred Scott James and Mr. Joe Carlozo is joining, joining us, us today in the studio. In the studio. Appreciate it, Joe. I hope that doesn't... I hope, yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Damn it, James. I knew that was coming. Someone hit the wrong button. No, it wasn't I hit me. the right button. That's all right. All right. I we got the right button. Bob, man, it's been a while, man. I appreciate you coming <laughs> well, out. Thank Filling you, in for thank Drew you. while Drew is down at the... Drew uh, and Ryan. ...in a mosh pit. Uh, <laughs> getting his rage on. Rage Against the Machine show, for sure. Yeah, holding on to that use. Hold on to it, Drew. It doesn't last long. <laughs> Soak it in while you got it, buddy. I'm pretty sure he's older than me by a few months. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, hang on to it, buddy. And then we got James over there that's playing around with my desk now. Yeah. Yeah. I gave him a toy, and he's just, at this point, I don't know what to do. We're going to, we'll just see it. James is sta- in the standing position on the desk because yeah. he wanted to be unique today. Give somebody an inch, they take a mile. Probably will break it later. <laughs> or they take six feet, two, whatever. Kind of hey, look, he, he's dropping it. He's dropping it like it's hot look at that <laughs> oh man all right man well we got a lot to talk about on tonight's show it is a yeah. very oriole centric show as yesterday was kind of an emotional day i think for most of birdland it's one of the fan favorites we'll now be wearing another shade of orange we talk all things trey mancini and hey look you know today we learned that the the moves didn't stop with just trey uh as another feel-good story here in baltimore he packs his bags and He's headed up to the Twin Cities up in Minnesota. So how do the Orioles respond to these moves? And and will they be able to stay in the thick of things in the wild card? We'll get into all that here shortly. Yeah, the Ravens uh, hold their annual stadium practice with training camp now officially underway. Social media goes in a bit of a frenzy over some good and bad takeaways from the practice. Let's pump the brakes. We're talking about (laughs) practice. And we're talking about one practice, so we're going to dive into that yeah. uh, well, and what was good and bad. But before we do, Fred, obviously, I don't know how many times we got to say this damn thing, <laughs> right? The team at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon, it's the team that formerly we used to call MD Crash. Same guy, same team, except they've expanded. they got more lawyers. They're handling a lot more broader spectrum of cases. They can still handle your auto accidents, your injuries at work, whatever it may be. But the team at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon can also help get those family law issues divorce to custody and child support and if you get in a fight on the street and you wind up knocking somebody out oh okay or it's better or, than murder or well it, it is better than murder or but they sex- handle that too or or sexual allegations i mean <laughs> pick your fuck. pick your choice uh Man. but no look hey the, the team over there they're an awesome team they're really responsive you can call or text them anytime 667-220-6500 call them at any time for any of your needs again that number is 667-220-6500 call or text them anytime and get the team at bowers hassan and herndon on the case for you 
All right, fellas. Like I said, it's time for some bros, bows, and o's. We got a lot to digest today. We'll start. Uh, let's start before we before we get into him. Start with the team. This is a team sport. All right. Okay. The team. They're still at 500. They're actually one game above 500 now. One game above. Keep going up, 50, down, up, down. 52 and 51. They took three of four from the Rays. Yep. Four of seven versus the ranks, the, or the Yanks and the Rays combined, which is yep. good. I'll cool. take that. Hey, if you're winning against the AL East, hey, four out of seven, I'll take, take it. it any which right? way you get it. Uh, little stumble against the Reds, but, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later. A lot later, I should say, because we've got a lot to unpack otherwise, yeah. but... You know, the stumble against the Reds, I think uh, some people are overreacting because they're not looking at who the opponent actually is right now. Right. So we'll get into that. Um, and really got off on the right foot last night, as to your point, that 7-2 victory was nice because they controlled it from from the first pitch. It was. Literally. I mean, literally the first pitch, you got Cedric Mullins leading off the game with a home run. Uh, and obviously the team had, I'm sure, heavy hearts, right? You know, they're dealing with a lot of emotion that, as, as you know, all the news came out right before right. they're getting ready to go play. Um, so, yeah, man, let, let's let's talk about that. Because uh, like I said, it's, it's been an emotional 24, 48 hours, I think, for a lot of O's fans. Uh, we'll start with fan favorite, locker room favorite, and the heart of this exciting 2022 team. Trey Mancini officially traded to the Houston Astros yesterday. I well, think you've got. Let, let's preface. We're gonna we're gonna break down who Trey is first, yeah. and I know a bunch of you are gonna start chiming in the chat room. We'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about the trade itself and was it the right thing, but let's first talk about Trey, the man, the person, the Baltimorean that he's become, and Listen, and what he's meant to this team and, in this city. And, and we get it, man. There's gonna be fans on both sides of the emotional roller coaster with this whole thing, yeah. right? Some just both sides of this believe. room, I think. Some we'll some can't believe Elias did it. Some that understand the business side of it. And you know what? It's okay to feel both. You know, if you could be on one side, you could be on the other, or it's okay if you feel both. Uh, because I think both sides have arguments have to be sense. made and make yeah. sense, right? Uh, but Trey, I mean, what he brought as an Oriole, just not another guy who wore the uniform. I haven't man. done this in a while. Hats yeah. off. Hats off to, to Trey. A guy, I mean, he embraced everything it meant to be an Oriole, right? We all know the stories and the, and, and the off the field struggles and issues that he had and things that he had to overcome. He, man. I, I, just to, not to cut you off for a quick second, but you know, we talk about when it comes to the Ravens, we talk about the Raven way, right? Yeah. The Orioles, it was the Baltimore way, like play like a Raven. It was the Baltimore way of doing things. Yep. Trey em, embrace that, live that, on and off the field, which is why he is so beloved by so many fans. Absolutely. I mean, you to the outside world, outside of Birdland, Trey is probably just another guy. I mean, obviously, the the cancer battle and all that stuff got a lot of national headlines, and I think people were more aware of it because of his All Star appearance last year, yep. and you know the the performance the that derby. he was able to put on in that Jeez. home run derby last year was <laughs> unreal. I, it was just cool for them to recognize him and have him be a part of it. I thought, but for him to get to the final round the way he did, put up the numbers book. he did, again, just you know a few months removed from his last you know treatment uh, dealing with cancer. Uh, it's, it was really, really impressive, but, but he was more than just cancer. I think you, you kind yeah. of, I know that you put a lot together and you put a lot into this. So I want to give you the time. Tell, tell us, tell the fans, remind us. I th I don't think we, any of us really need reminding, but for any new listeners out there, maybe our Ravens fans that, that don't always tune in for the Orioles, 
Remind him who Trey actually is to the Orioles well, you in gotta, Baltimore. You got to set where it de- where he debuted, right? Because you think of all the years of losing baseball, right? We went through what fifteen years of losing baseball before we. Why has he got to bring that up, Joe? Finally, why has he got to do that? We finally. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> we finally find a little bit of success. You know, we we have some of the minor league guys come up at the right time. Manny Machado was a big part of it, right? And. Trey was kind of that that final piece, that last piece in before the big, you know, let go of yeah. everybody <laughs> in 2016 because he came up uh, that final year of success before things went bad. You know, he got a little taste. That was that year that the uh, the Orioles went to the wild card game in Toronto. We the Zach all know Britton what, game. The Zach Britton game. The Zach Britton to not be game. Oh wait, wait. You mean you mean the Ubaldo, the guy they're bringing back? Yeah. Right, exactly. For a celebration <laughs> of what? I don't know. We'll that's, get into that later. That's that's throwing BP. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. But again, I mean, you're talking throwing about a guy who, who came up with the Orioles, his first two career hits as an Oriole, home runs. Boom. Boom, boom was his name for a reason. Yeah. And then, obviously, his last now hit as an Oriole, a home run. Not a traditional home run. <laughs> I mean, not a pretty home run. Not a pretty not home, a run, home run. Not a majestic home run. But it was a home run in the in the scorebook, and that's what matters. For it to happen on the day it happened, you know, uh, man, recognizing Toss me Mo, those goddamn tissues! Right. We all know the relationship he had with Mo and the bond <laughs> that they had and whatnot. Um, to do that uh, on the anniversary and you know, the way it happened, you know, hitting off the guy's face, the ball ricocheting. A hundred feet away from <laughs> a miles, him. a mile away where R- nobody right was. In the, right in the kisser. I mean, he yeah. took it. Ugh. You see the slow mo. It's hilarious well, and, to watch. And if you if you listen to Low after the game, one of the things he said, he said all game he was able to see everything, but it was just that situation. The sun came out, and it was enough. Yeah. And it got me thinking. I like I got chills kind of watching it happen. But then I heard that interview, and I like I'm not a huge believer in stuff like that, but. It's hard not to be like, was there not more at play here? Who knows, when, the, when, when ultimately the guy says, look, all day I was able to see the ball. That's why you didn't see my sunglasses on my face. They were on my hat. And it just so happened that moment, the Couldn't sun decided it. to come out. And I wonder you, where the sun came from. And then if you pay attention even, even later in that play, to me anyway, the play at the plate. To me, it looked like the catcher got the ball early enough and should have been able to extend but over, but he kind of stumbled, and it almost looked like he hit, hit a, a wall, wall. <laughs> prior to him actually touching home base. It's just unbelievable the way it happened. But, yeah. uh, you know, Trey is a guy who, beyond the off-the-field stuff, man, and you hear everything that the players talk about. He was the unquestionable, unquestioned leader of the clubhouse, yeah. man. Um, again, after all the trades and the dismantling of the team that they did back in 2016, 2017, and Adam Jones was let go, Nick Markakis went to the Braves, and you know Trey became the last kind of man standing from those that five year run, right? That yeah. five years of of what we want to get back to the success that we had been clamoring for <laughs> for years. I mean, 15 years of losing baseball, right? So he was kind of that last piece and. Every player that has ever spoken publicly about Trey has always had such amazing things to yeah. say about him as a person and as a teammate. Uh, they've actually talked to a few guys after the game. Yesterday, I talked to Adley. Uh, God, Adley's only been with the team for you know a couple months now, <laughs> uh, but you know obviously Trey also gets involved with these prospects and puts mm-hmm. himself out there as, as a mentor, as a guy that they can lean on when they have questions and whatnot. Yeah. 
Natalie said he's a guy that I look up to. A lot of guys look up to. When you talk about a guy who's a leader, who's a team guy, that's him. He's the gold standard. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing that you got to look at here, right, is we all, I love your boy Seti, right? Yeah. We saw the transition when, when Jonesy left. We thought it was Seti that was taking the reins as, as leadership, as center field, as leadership for this team. And it actually wound up that, it, you know, Seti may be playing a role, but to your point, you, you said the unquestioned leader. Yeah. And it really gets you thinking, and it's like you sit back right now and you look and you say, who's the leader on this team now? I don't know that I have a solid answer because the other day it was 110% Trey. I honestly, if you want my honest answer, and Joe, I'll let you chime in on this too. I think the way that they're positioning this team, it's going to be Adley. As, I, as I crazy as that so sounds, he's yeah. only been here a couple of years. He's the rookie. He's the new guy. But you look at the way that the players talk about Adley and the way that he interacts with players. It's how they talk about Trey. He's a, Exactly. It's very similar to the way that they talk about Trey. He talks to everybody. It's important to him to, to you know, be in these guys' ears and and have a relationship. Clearly, with him. he thinks he got a role model. Exactly. Right? Gold standard. Exactly. Joe, what do you think, man? I my first thought was Santander, just if you had to say right now. Right. But I agree. Moving forward, it's definitely Adley, and they just need someone to take over that role. You know, used to have Jones used to be that guy. Right. You know, to me, losing Trey was like losing Adam Jones. It was a killer. Yeah. But I I think I understood it more than Jones because that Jones thing was just weird. Yeah. Uh, you know whatever happened between that and ownership, but. I mean, I'm happy for Trey. I don't know if I like him going to Houston. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm not really well, a Houston fan. I don't really we'll root get for him. It. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I think Adley's on his way to leading the team. And I'm actually surprised yeah. they didn't trade more guys. I thought once I saw the, him and Lopez, I figured they would have dumped, like, a couple bullpen arms, too. Well, right. and, and speaking of Lopez, Lopez was another guy that when asked, he called Trey an inspiration, said he, he's – what he's overcome and is stuck has stuck with him particularly because of his son um and we just lost one of the players are and one of our greatest teammates and one of the greatest players on the team right so it, that just goes to show you even even a guy that also got traded you know and we'll get into that here in a little bit but here's a guy going through everything and he's turning and looking at the guy that was comeback player of the year. The guy that everybody last year stood up for, knowing what you, what he came back from, knowing that not many players actually get the chance to play again the way that he did. Right, right, and, and so it just it shows you a lot of different things, right? It shows you his character, his determination, his grit, his team. Like he, even when he was going through everything, he was still present for his teammates. Yep, even to everything, everything that he had going on. That's who Trey was. And I think, it, you know, Brandon Hyde, you were talking about him. Hyder had some things to say. And really, ultimately, I think it's really telling of the full spectrum of the situation. He here. said, one day we're going to be three games up in the division and then things change. It's going to be tough. He's going to be tough to replace. It's going to be tough to replace in the clubhouse. Going to be tough to replace on the plane, on the bus, just all around. Right. Because this guy impacted everything. Go ahead, James. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Or not, but um, I think Mo's mom posted that. Did you see that picture that she posted? No. Well, she posted a picture of 
what Mo drew of basically that day, that that day with the sun. Yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't what he drew. That was somebody else. Somebody had painted that oh, of she, the day. She yeah. Somebody. It? Somebody. Yeah. But somebody did that like in in the day of they posted. She they painted a picture. So to, to what he's talking about. It's a, it's a picture of. Trey at bat hitting this hitting the shot and there's literally a ray almost like a ray of sunshine that's supposed to be Mo oh. shining down on the field and, and it cool. was really touching if you guys haven't seen yeah. it I'll, I'll repost it on Twitter yeah, in a little bit but really yeah cool man she posted cool. it I like I said I, I saw it I didn't know if it was like because you know kids they draw all kinds of stuff right I didn't know if it was that but it was it was pretty pretty intense yeah and when you when you talk about Trey again it not just what he was as a teammate, but the bond that he had, I think, with the fans and the city. Because again, yeah. this fan, this the the support that that Birdland was behind him through the toughest battle of his life, going through everything he went through with colon cancer. Like I, I know that that's not the end all be all with Trey, but I mean that was the first thing that he went I, to when when they talked about I, him. I truly true. think that like if he's not in Baltimore. That all goes down differently. And here's why I say that. His first response when all that happened, he saw the outpouring of support yeah. from Baltimore. Not from the organization. Like, they obviously are going to support him. But he saw that from Baltimore, from Maryland, everything. From the, from the baseball community. He yep. saw it. Trey's a quiet guy. He's not a, he's not a me guy. Yep. He is not. And he... If not for that outpouring of support and him wanting to show and have a connection with the fans in what probably felt like his lowest moments, yep. he what he took to Twitter, he took to Facebook, he took to YouTube and posted videos of his recovery. Him and Sarah Perlman. One of the things that I think also connects here, right, is Sarah Perlman started with Masson. Yeah. Right? She's doing some bigger things now, but it, it – they have that relationship. They recognize she puts out a thank you to the city. Yeah. You know, he puts out a thank you to the city. Everything, you know, we all know his relationship with Mo, right? And, and the fact that Mo called him up and said, you're going to be all right, Trey. Are you doing okay? Right? It, it, like, I think if he's not in Baltimore, I don't know that that happens. I can't say one way or another, but I feel like just the support of the Baltimore community it, it, it just it just goes to show you how much we appreciate players when they're here. Gone are the days of you know players that that stay career players, career players that stay in one spot their entire career. It, right. Gone are those days. I'm sorry, it, yeah. it, it's gone. But I think it just goes to show you you know what he does. You were talking before about how even he seemed emotional just in the interviews that he was doing uh, yeah, after it I happened. Mean, it's been a crazy whirlwind uh, of trades and some happened like wild guys were in batting practice, you know, oh, Christian Vasquez. one literally had to walk from one dugout to the next dugout in Vasquez. Yeah. But uh, you know, Trey found out. And um, even though like, there have been rumors and obviously he had kind of come, you thought come to grips with it because he even said like he was soaking it all in and taking that last mm -hmm. series in Baltimore, knowing that more than likely it was going to be his last series. He went four um, for 11 in that series, by the way, 364. Yeah. 
But he, he said, you know, he's like, I don't want to leave. He's like, I don't want to leave these guys quite yet in the locker room. I'm having a hard time getting in the shower, putting my stuff on and leaving because I know I won't be back in the locker room with them. Um, so, you can, again, you can kind of see well, what it meant to He to He also had a hard time. He admitted in some of the interviews he had a hard time. Actually, the hardest people were some of the, the support staff. Yeah. Because you got to remember, you know, for those of you that maybe haven't been tuned in, the Orioles medical support staff and training staff are responsible for them finding out that he had this version of leukemia. If not for some of those people, who knows right. what would have happened? Who knows what situation he would have been in? So for him, I can't I can't even imagine. You know, I, I we all have those moments that you think about something and you're like, oh God, like a, like I can I can maybe put myself in those shoes. I, I can't even try to think about putting myself in those no. shoes because this these are people that literally in his eyes saved his life. Right, because they caught something. Something seemed off. They said, "Hey, let's check a little deeper on this," and did it. Now they were just doing their job. Right. But to him, they saved they saved his life. And, and it, again, it, I think it wasn't just the saving of his life by those people, but I think it was this the the saving of his soul by the city of Baltimore with what he had to say. He put out a tweet. He said, "I love you, Baltimore and Houston. I'm beyond excited to be an Astro." But he, he put in that tweet, it was a, a, a picture of what he had written up. He said, Birdland, words do, don't do justice what you mean to me. So I'll keep it simple. Playing for the Orioles organization and for the city of Baltimore was a dream come true for me. However, my love for Baltimore transcends baseball. My life was saved here. I met my dream woman and soon to be wife here. I met my hero, Mo, here. A huge piece of my heart will always belong to Baltimore, to every teammate along the way, to every coach, trainer, and staff member, to both front offices, to Angelo's family, and most importantly, to the fans. Thank you for the best 10 years imaginable. I love you all. I have a hard time reading that. I'll be honest, because that's emotional. You can, when somebody writes something, you can tell when it's a canned message. Yeah. That was from the heart. No, it was, and you even saw it today, like in his uh, his press uh, conference as a yeah. as an Astro. He talked about. It. He said, "Listen, he's like right now, I got to be focused on the now and this year." He's like, I "I'm going to take more time at the off season to kind of reflect on Baltimore and what that means in the off season." Um, but you know, again, it, it's there's so much that involves Trey <laughs> with this organization beyond just between the white lines. You know, there's, and, there's a lot to it. And uh, that's that's why this is hard. You know, again, when you look at a trade like this, I, I can understand and I can see both arguments. Because, again, you got people on one side of the fence that are talking like, oh, we're in the middle of a wild card, you know, chase for a playoff position. Why are you trading the heart and soul of your lineup, the heart and soul of your clubhouse? And I get your argument, right? Uh, but we've talked about it at ends, this entire rebuild, this entire thing had a plan, right? And it had a structure to it. And you can see that that plan over the last few years has been working. And just because you're on the cusp of potentially, potentially getting a wild card doesn't mean you abandon ship, even for a guy like Trey, uh, because you have to weigh whether Trey is part of the future plans this team is stockpiled and loaded with outfield bats, right? And we know and we know Ryan Mountcastle is the first baseman of the future. So Trey's 
limited as an Oriole as far as beyond this year or next year. There's really not a whole lot of room for Trey if you want to see some of these younger guys get the opportunity that they're knocking on the door for. Yeah. And I, I, so I, again, it comes down to a business versus emotion. Move. And it, it is. And for, for those that, that have the emotion side of it, this isn't the last that we've seen of Trey, you know, when it comes to being at Camden Yards, right? Because Orioles take the Astros on two more times this year, right? They're going to take them on a three-game series in this month, the end of this month, the 26th to the 28th in Houston. But then he makes his return to Baltimore for a four-game series, September 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th. Yeah. I already know I'm there for two of those games. I already have tickets. I'm excited to be there, excited to welcome him back. I may figure out a way to purchase tickets for the 22nd. <laughs> just be just just to be there, yep. right? And when he comes back, um, I would definitely be. But right for it. and I we're gonna we're gonna get into a, a, what Elias had to say about this because some of his comments we'll pique my interest. Pique yeah. my interest. I'll put it that way. But break down the trade. Let's look at the trade itself, right? So this was actually a three-way trade. For those of you who don't know, it was a three-way trade with the Astros and Rays. So obviously Trey goes to Houston. Then the Orioles actually wind up picking up a 23-year-old right-handed pitcher, Seth Johnson, from Tampa Bay. Uh, that It's their number six prospect in MLB uh, prospects. Rankings. Pipeline rankings, right? He's the number two pitching prospect. They're number They're two. number two. Yes, thank you. So here's his stat line. 27 innings in seven games. He's had nine earned runs, 11 walks, but 41 Ks, right? He's striking out almost two guys in inning at that rate. Probably this is Elias guy, too. 3.0 ERA. Take that Tampa Bay pitcher. 1-2-5-9 whip. A-plus arm. This is a guy that you want to have under. Uh, he went under. He went under the He's the, in the, high a. the knife, right? That's what that means. Oh, sorry, He's in, in high A. a. Sorry, yeah. but either way, even though he went under the the knife for surgery this week, he's probably going to miss all of next season. But the slot for him is a as a three four guy type pitching prospect, almost right away. Minus making sure he comes back from the Tommy John. So here's here's the issue I think some fans are having with this guy. Right? Is the Tommy John thing? This mm -hmm. is a guy who is literally going to be having Tommy John next week. So you count him out for this year, and more than likely you can count him out all of next year. He's 23 years old, so right, that puts him at probably – he'll be 24 before the end of this year. Puts him at 25 before we see him pitching again, more than likely. And that's yeah. where I think some fans are having a hard time. But what you have to take a look at here is, one, what the, what the market was – for a Trey Mancini. Again, we hold higher value to Trey because of everything that we talked about and everything that is Trey mm -hmm. Mancini versus what the league sees him uh, in value to their team between the between the white lines, right? Uh, so, Mind you, they're going to have to deal with arbitration next year with Trey. That's exactly. another, another factor That's here. That's a whole other thing. So more than likely, you weren't going to get anything. You were going to lose out on Trey to free agency if you didn't trade him for something, right? But this is a guy, this one prospect here, who automatically right away comes in ranked as the number three pitching prospect in our organization. There's Grayson, there's DL, and now it's this guy, ranked number three in the organization right out of the bat. So for me, 
When you look at the roster construction, what have we been talking about over the drafts over the last couple of years, right? Like they've gone heavy on outfield bats. They've gone really yeah. good with up the middle infielders and that kind of thing. The one thing that they lack is starting pitching depth. They have a lot of arms, a lot of guys that are maybe you know long relief or bullpen type arms, but we lacked the depth in starting pitching. We've got some good guys at the top. The cream of the crop is good, but the depth at start starting pitching was bad. This is a guy that helps fill that, and I, I, I listen. Temper the expectations. I understand he's not going to pitch for a year, year and a half, but still, he's a well. Very but I think good Steven pitcher. brings up a good point. Seth Johnson was actually taken higher in the draft than Gunnar Henderson. Exactly. Right. So this is a guy that Elias probably had his eye on, yep. and now you're being given the opportunity to get him. For you know, people are. I've heard people talk about right. This, so so this real quick, a, this Adip brings up a great point. This is actually going to be my next point. So Tyler Well had Tommy John and recovered effectively at the exact same age, right? Yeah. So look at what we're we're dealing with right now with Tyler Wells and how happy we are and 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 starting to see him kind of flourish because he was a guy. I don't want to say we wrote off, but I think it was a guy that we just didn't have a whole lot of expectations out of because a little bit of sample size that we saw up. It here, was a real. Low, it felt like a real low ceiling. Yeah, it had a very low ceiling, but we were wrong. He's exceeded, yeah, he's exceeded that, and he's growing. Nobody, right? and, and to Adit's point, nobody thought that uh, means was going to be what he was. Right. Yes, he's undergoing surgery, but the hope is that he's continuing to come back the same and coming back better. So th there's a lot going on here. There's a lot to unpack here. A and I think, you know, it, the one thing about this, too, is this is a guy that when you when you take a step back and you say, OK, he seven games, 27 innings. Mm -hmm. Right. OK. eh. But 41 Ks in 27 innings? Yeah. He's clip he's you're telling me one and a half to two guys in inning? I'll take that every fucking day of the week. Yeah, the strikeout to walk ratio is good. His command is good. Uh there's a lot to like about this kid. Literally the only downside is the Tommy John surgery. But what pitcher nowadays doesn't have Tommy John at some point in their career? It feels like pretty much everybody. It's like a prerequisite that once you get into the minor leagues, yeah. might as well just get it done early so that way it's out of the way. That's uh, just the way it seems. But it doesn't end there, right? So no. you've got a guy that comes in that slates as the number three prospect, pitching prospect in your minor league system right away. Well, then you also add another piece in a 23-year-old right-handed pitcher, Chase McDermott from Houston. He's their number 12 prospect uh, via pipeline. Uh, 72 innings pitched, 19 games, 10 games started, 44 earned runs, 43 walks, 114 Ks, 5.5 ERA, which I get is high, 1.389 whip, which is high. So there's two things that you can take away from this. This is another guy who has a lot of swing and miss potential, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of analytical data about this guy, which is right up Mike Elias and Co's sled adjustments. And this kid hits the zone a lot more, and you're going to get a lot more swing and misses. If this kid can hone in the command, he is going to be a very good pitcher. You know, you know the other thing right now, right? You look at this and you say, okay, he's 19 games. He started 10 games. So 72 innings. This kid's an innings eater. Right. Right. This is this is something that you want. And here's the flip side of this. You get him in here, you're going to be able to, to compare him against some of your other guys and go, okay, is this a type of arm we want to prepare as a bullpen arm? Or do we lengthen him and have him go as a as a number five type starter, right? Maybe he works his way up. Who knows? 
But this is where the analytics of what we do is going to improve it. And here's the deal. The other thing is Steven says McDermott was top five in K's in his league before the trade. That's exactly what I'm saying. He's a swing and miss guy. Just got to get that that command under control. And you got to you got to know he's coming out of Houston. So whose eyes were on him? Yeah, exactly. Mike Elias's, right? You know that Mike Elias understands and know these knows these guys. So it, we really have to, you know, kind of start to look. And, and I know that some of the comments have been flowing in now, and I and we haven't quite gotten into it. We've we've had allusions to it or alluded to it a little bit. Well, let's actually talk about. Do we think this was right? Okay, so you have this trade. <sighs> It, 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 it pulls all of our heartstrings, right? Yeah. Are you happy with the return that you got on this trade? So there's a lot of things you have to unpack with that, right? Um, the emotional side of it, the locker room side of it, I think, talk about timing. Mm-hmm. They're in the thick of a playoff run. Two and a half games back at the second wild card spot. Exactly. So to me, was it a slap in the face to Brandon Hyde and the rest of the team who are kind of in the thick of a playoff run right now? Yeah, I think it was. I both, think it is. Both trades were. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a smack in the face. But, like I said earlier, was Trey part of the future plan? He's 30 years old. We're stockpiled with outfielders. We're stockpiled with first baseman options. No, he wasn't part of the future plans. Mm, I don't yeah, think I'll get into was. that in a minute. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are the Orioles going to sign him beyond this year? Obviously not. That was Mike Elias's decision. Were they going to sign him? If they were going to sign him, they wouldn't have made the trade. So you have to trade him at this point. We'll get into that in a second. Okay. Go ahead. How bought into this season and potential playoff run are you? That's the other part of it that you have to take into consideration, right? You know, like we talked about sticking the plan and understanding that we're talking about a third wild card position, which is a one game playoff, right? How bought in are you to one securing that wild card position with Trey in the fold, and then two making an actual World Series run this year? I don't think if you're a realist, nobody in this room believes that this team was a World Series contender. Well, a couple of weeks ago. Nobody why, why in this no, we, nobody say, in nobody this room said expected they were them to for the World Series. We said they were a playoff team. They were fighting for a playoff spot, James. We, I understand. But that, at the but same but token, nobody in this in this room expected them to be where we're at right now with 52 wins already matching what they won last year. Nobody expected that. I don't oh, think no, you can go. go back the week I co-hosted. I said <laughs> they'd be 500. All right. Go back and look at the tape. <laughs> But you have to, again, you have to, like we've talked about it all night, you got to separate the sentimental value versus it being a smart business decision. Uh, The Oriole fan value on Trey versus the rest of the MLB and what the other MLB GMs value on Trey. So there's all of that that you have to take into consideration with this. So my bottom line decision is, yes, it was the right move. It hurts from an emotional standpoint, because we're attached to these guys, the only one in this room that doesn't get attached to players is James. <laughs> James. <laughs> but that's part of being a fan is you are a fanatic. I mean, if you are a true fan, there is an emotional attachment to guys that you really like. Are there players on this roster that we could give two shits about, whether they go, come, stay? Yes, there's that. there are those guys. But 
Every team that comes through year in, year out, I don't care how good or how bad they are, you have your guys, right? And Trey has always, for me... I like our guys. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Trey has always been one of those guys. For me, yeah. it could be one on a team. It could be 10 on a team. doesn't matter. Trey has always been that. So from the emotional standpoint, I get why it's might not have felt like the right move business-wise. And again, sticking to the future goal plan. This isn't about chasing one World Series. This isn't about chasing one playoff berth. This is about building a system like the Astros have, like the Rays have, like even even San Diego, what they're doing out there, building a consistent <laughs> Who contender. knows what they're doing right now? Just Let's hang on. <laughs> they didn't get there overnight. They no. did it by their minor league system. And then once they were in a good place, then with they minor, started, peeling then they pieces started off. adding yeah. pieces in. That's where the Orioles are at right now. You have to look at those organizations, small market teams that are doing it the right way, and this is just another step in that, whether you liked it or not. So here's what I'll say, right? When you look at all of this, all of none of those teams were in the situation that the Orioles were. None of those teams, none of those teams were in a were literally in a playoff hunt when they started trading what was considered by many to be major pieces away. Yeah, but they had to do that. Are you talking about are you talking about what they did when they back in 2016 when they started trading pieces away? Not the Orioles. I'm talking about right now okay. with the Orioles, not the 2016 Orioles. Okay. And comparing that to what San Diego did, what Houston did, what the Rays did. The Rays, maybe the Rays, no, but the Rays are like definitely a one-off. Definitely San Diego was in salary dump mode, and that's what part of this is. It's salary dump mode. 7.7 million is not a salary dump. I'm it sorry. Is. It is. That's what this, that's the entire that, purpose. Then that's the wrong way to think about it. And if that's if what they're is, doing, then I, think it, then I think it's bullshit. If it is, here's, here's the bigger picture of it, right? So the Orioles can't afford to go out and compete with the likes of all the big market teams. We've, we've already discussed that at ends. But the way you can do that is by banking money over a few years. So they had committed to this rebuild of a farm system when Elias took over, right? So from there on out, what have we seen? Salary dump, salary dump, salary dump, salary dump, because they knew over the course of five years, instead of doing what the Orioles did in the past, bringing in old Miguel guys. Tejada, yeah. bringing in Sammy Sosa, bringing in all these names Bobby that Lopez. just sold a couple the extra old guys tickets. guys to fill the seats, yeah. Exactly, right? So what they did is they pocketed that money for five years to get the system in a place to be competitive so that they can go out and use that money that they've been saving over the last five years to then land some of these guys that they wouldn't have been able to land if they were paying a hundred million for this guy and 200 million to this guy to get five extra thousand people in the stands. I'm That's not, the way big picture. I think that they're looking at I'm it. not disagreeing on that aspect. What I'm saying is those other teams were not in a winning position the Orioles are two and a half games out. We have all agreed, maybe minus James, that two and a half games out is not out of the running. It no, is within the hunt. That is competitive baseball right now, right? Minus the fact that we're in the situation that we're in, whatever it may be, we are in the hunt. So the thing here is you're dumping, you're dumping guys and you can call it a salary dump, but I'm sorry, seven. If you're going to call seven and a half, I think it's if you're part gonna, of it. I'm not saying it's all of it. I'm saying that part of it was you weren't going to sign him long term. 
So, or, oh, just uh, don't spoil it. We'll get there. I have that <laughs> but same I can't, sentence. But I can't not spoil it but when you're going that route. Because there's like, no guarantee with that. There's no guarantee that that But then happened. why make the comment if the... All right, so hold on a second. Let, we, we can't... Not, I can't let this, <laughs> this right, situation go, go any further without us bringing this up. Go Wait, ahead. I, I got I'll one Joe, comment to calm you down. I heard that Angelo's family saved all that money so they could do it so they could sue each other. That's Jesus it. Christ. <laughs> that all right. That family wouldn't surprise me. Here's the, here's the deal with all this. Elias, you know, when he was talking about this and talking about Fred, uh, Trey, he discussed the idea... That there is ultimately, I have a tether. My I have to tether my decisions to the outlook of the of probabilities this year. We have a shot at a wild card now, but it is not a probability that we're going to win a wild card. Interesting. You're two and a half games behind. You've already taken out one of the teams. I'm sorry. You've already taken out two of the teams that are ahead of you. Interesting statement. First off, the bottom line is the organization which we feel a championship window is opening and we're seeking players at this time to contribute to that window. When a player's in free agency in nine weeks, you have a consider to bring a high, bring in high upside talent. Now, the other thing that was stated by Mike Elias was the fact that he wouldn't out, he wouldn't know, like rule out the idea of bringing Trey back when free agency possibly hits in two years. Yeah. So to say that he's not in the fold for the future, if you don't think he's potentially in the fold for the future, then there's no reason for Michael Elias to make that statement. He said he's looking forward to seeing what can be discussed with Trey Mancini in free agency, right? So I'm not – this is why I said I wanted to kind of get there with it. So I'm not saying that bringing Trey Mancini back isn't in the equation. I'm not saying that it's not. I just – I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense. Maybe this is the right thing to say to try to appease the fans and that kind of thing to to, to help soften the blow a little bit. I think we it made the situation seen, worse. But we that have comment, seen but. this team do it before. They did it with uh, Mike Bordick years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it with um, BJ Serhoff, BJ right? Uh, so we could see a move like that again. And if it's if it does happen, good on Mike Elias for being able to do that and bringing Bring in two pieces back. in that could potentially help in the future as well. The thing I think that I, I think you're getting too hard caught up on is singularly this year. I I do I don't agree think I with, am, and I'll explain in a second. But go I ahead. agree with you that yes, they are in the thick of a of a playoff run potentially. They're two and a half games back of a single elimination wild card game. I don't know. I don't believe that this team, A, is built to win a single game because uh, they don't have that dominant number one pitcher. And I don't believe okay. that they're capable of winning a, a four game series against a team who does have a one, two, and three dominant pitcher, right? So, as exciting as this year has been, as, as completely unexpected as it's been, I just, I'm, I understand the business decision of saying, hey, I'm not selling him to sell him. But if I can get prospects that I know well and that I value high and that can help us in the future, why not? I get that. But here's the other side. Do you know how much value it brings what you're doing in an organization to take an organization in one year from being the worst team in baseball Mm -hmm. to being a wild card game contender? Mm Mm-hmm. That brings a lot of value to the table if you're trying to attract players. Okay. So to then turn around, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, I don't think I hope this does not happen. 
But let's say worst of the worst happens. Let's say this team really starts to fall off somehow. Okay. What's going to be pointed to as the turning point? I don't think a guy hitting 260 and 10 home runs is going to self-destruct the team. I understand what he brings in the clubhouse and all that. We've already gone over all that. And you cannot tell me if that see if this does happen that without a shadow of a doubt it was because of Trey because very easily that same thing could have happened if Trey was here, right? So you have to make there's no way of knowing and predicting the future and seeing what's going to happen. You have to make that business decision. And what have we been harping on? You the three of us, me, you and, and I know and 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 Drew sticking to the plan. Everything Elias has done has worked. And to Which go is- listen, to go from the worst record in baseball to a 500 team like you just said, basically overnight is showing, shows you clearly that the plan is working, right? So you continue with that plan. And if this was the plan all along, you don't deviate from it. But we also talked about the idea that you have to analyze. You're in playoff contention. In the the toughest division in baseball, you are contending. Mm Not for a division. Not for a division, but you're you're contending against the rest of the league. There's thirty teams. That. There's thirty teams. Well, I just in gave this. you all my reasons why I, I don't that. think the Orioles are built to win a single game, and I don't think that they're built to win a series in the playoffs. I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying I don't think that they're built to, and that's and that's okay because we weren't expected to be in this position anyway. <laughs> I, I get that. Hang on Go a second, ahead. James. Oh. The only thing I would say to everything that you're saying, and I don't. Let's, let me be clear. I don't disagree with you. Right. What I'm saying is. From most fans' perspective, you're kind of scratching your head a little bit. And if you're not, then you actually don't understand what's going, what's happening. And well, the reason I say that is you have a team in contention. I you made all the arguments and why a team isn't isn't in the position to win one game. But guess what? They can win one game. I'm not saying they can't. They won four of any seven. Any team in can win on any given day. I get that. Okay, but if you put yourself in a position. To be able to do that and make an impact. <laughs> to me, you're not, you didn't go out there and trade away 10 guys. You traded away one, two, and you got, you trade, we're talking about Trey right now. Okay. You traded away one guy and you got two pieces that could potentially help you for the future. And like he said, he didn't rule out bringing Bring him, him back. back. I just, I think it's smart business decision. I think it's a smart long term decision. Uh, it hurts. It sucks. And I understand it, it It gives you a shitty feeling inside about this year because, damn it, we are in contention. And it would be cool to see them make the playoffs. But be real with yourself. This team's not going to the World Series with or without Trey Mancini. Just be real with yourself. They're not going to the World Series with or without Trey Mancini. You They're don't not. know that? Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. Go ahead, James. <laughs> I just want to say... He did it to me. People tonight Jesus. and people in Baltimore Scott. are just like... There's the Freds, and I'm with Fred, and there's people like Scott. And the reason why you have people like Scott is because when we didn't have anybody and the team was shitty and all that, you had that tray. You had that tray to, to, uh, you know, to lift it up and be that one guy, your leader, and all that. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And also... You're not going to be – I can tell you right now, probably San Diego and the Dodgers aren't going to win the World Series, and their team is stacked. It's people playing fundamental baseball, 
And that's what it is. If you want to overpay for a guy, let him overpay. But I think we got good in the trade, um, trade. But also, he can come back. But it gives him a chance to win the World Series this year. Right. An right. opportunity. I, I love that for Trey. And, I hate, and, and I hate I the Astros, but I do love that What happened to you? All you guys talk about Brandon Hyde. What he's doing for this this clubhouse. You know, you know, being that leader and and and, and the guys getting loose. This this is what his. His job this is will, a That's a great so, point. This will absolutely test Brandon Hyde if he can keep that clubhouse I think, together. I think absolutely. we'll be fine, but like like Fred said and I said, we're not winning no World Series, but it's it hurts at the same time. I understand that, but 10 home runs ain't winning no World Series. But a while, right, let, let Joe go okay. off here yeah. for a second. Go ahead, Joe. I agree with Fred that it is a slap in the face, mm. but I predict that they were going to do better because this is a test for all these guys, all the young guys. I mean, I know we got, like, Odor. He's kind of old. And to me, it was a true salary dump. Odor would have been it. gone. I said it's part of it. I know, but I'm saying Odor would have gone. Tate would have been gone. you got to find a taker. You, you know, got to find a taker. Rooting and Odor's hitting a hundred. Well, he Nobody gives a be fuck on the about team, Odor. Honestly, yeah. so if you would have traded Trey and not gotten any prospects, back, that's a and, whole other thing. And that's I don't know if that's Brandon Hyde or if that's Mike Elias. Rooting and Odor should not be seeing the field right now. If they're embracing this whole stick to the plan thing, Tevin Terrence well, Bavers Bavers should be, be playing, playing fucking second play base. Every day. The thing is, you, you got to you got to look at that and say like the whole salary dump thing. If they would have not think gotten it's part of it, but no, but if you would have said they're going to save two and a half million dollars, if you. Would have, if you would have said to me that the Orioles traded Trey Mancini and part of Chris Davis's contract and got nothing in return, I'd say that's a salary dump. Oh yeah, that's a that's a hundred percent a salary. But dump. that's what I'm saying. I'm it, saying the salary part of it is just they're going to save two and a half million dollars on, on trades this year with the trade. That's just <laughs> part of it. All I'm saying is it's part of it. I'm not saying it's all of it. You're misconstruing my word. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Go ahead back to. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. I, I have to throw a Buster in there because Drew's Fuck not Buster here. Only. <laughs> anyway, but you have to look at it this way: Trey could be back next year. It's a mutual option, so I doubt Houston's going to keep him. So he could come it's back. Not a mutual option. He's up for arbitration again next no, year. I, pr- I thought it was a mutual option. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's got another year of arbitration. The left. Orioles have mutual options. Yeah. So they have which to means which means Houston has the yeah. option. Well, it's yeah, not a mutual so option. To, Houston has the option. Anyway, whatever. Um, you have to look at the prospects. Houston Astros, I'll take a Tampa Bay starting pitcher, okay? I mean, you look at some of these guys that came out, Snell, uh, Glass now, I think was a low guy, and who's the um, who's the other guy, the McClanahan? Yeah. Give me some of that because they know what they're doing with pitching. Right. So I really think that losing Trey sucks, but it had to be done. Yeah. And, frankly, I'm surprised Santander didn't go either because you got a ton of young outfielders – and if you got Hayes and Mullins out there, someone's gonna, you know, someone's got to go. Yeah. So here's the thing, and that's part of that, the Anthony Santander thing. I think Santander's played really good baseball over the last couple of weeks, and I like him too. And yeah. I think Elias held on to Santander for the highest bidder. And I, I really think, again, we have seen with GMs in the past, not not even with Elias, with GMs in the past, moves for the sake of making moves, moves mm-hmm. to get rid of people, right? True salary dumps. I I truly believe Elias approached this thing and said, here are the guys that are open for potential moves, but you better come with the right offer, and it better be for prospects that I want, right? Trey, I don't think Trey would have been moved if it wasn't for the guys that Elias coveted, right? I agree. 
And I think Santander was dangled out there too. And I just don't think he got the value for Santander that he would have wanted because I really well, think that they would have traded him because of some of the debt. Santander had a, has an additional two years of right. arbitration. That's left. what Trey I'm saying. has one year of arbitration. Exactly. Left. So, yeah, so to your point, two you're going to want control. more back. You're going to want more back. He's playing great baseball. He leads the team in home runs right now. Like he's been clutched. Like there's just a lot to like yes. about him uh, that, again, he didn't trade him just for the sake of moving a person. Yeah, again, I think it's it's all interesting. I think it's I, I don't to to be clear because I know that some of the chat rooms is saying saying stuff. I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. My point was I don't think there's a true justification at this point to a lot of fans that are saying why are we sellers right now, right? And I get what you're saying. You know, you're saying you're sitting here saying, well, we're there's sellers right now because we're sticking to what the plan was. Mm -hmm. Just because you have a plan doesn't mean you don't reevaluate. I'm and not I, saying you, we've had that discussion and we've been on, you and I have been on the same page and going at Drew about deviating from the plan based on the way things happen. Right. I get that. And I think that's, that's where a lot of fans are looking at things right now. I, I consider my dad, my dad is a fan, but my dad is also reasonable. And we haven't talked about the Lopez trade. We're going to talk about that in a minute. When that happened, my dad's response to me in text messages was, what the hell are they doing right now? Talking about Lopez or Mancini? L Lopez and Mancini. The combination okay. of two going, of both of these guys going. Mm -hmm. One is the heart and soul. Let's, let's talk about Lopez. One's the heart and, and soul of your, your, let's, your clubhouse. The other one's the heart and soul of your bullpen. And that's Lopez. Okay. The Lopez deal, it, he gets dealt today. The Orioles reach a deal with him and cash going to the Twins hasn't been excluded or hasn't been put out there of how much cash right now, but we get this cash in, guy gets thrown around a lot. Yeah, <laughs> in, in, it's not Kevin. Um, in exchange it's, it's for four minor league pitchers, so the top of which is the Twins' number twenty-two prospect. Uh, he's their highest rated rated guy right now. It's left-handed pitcher Cade Povich. He's 6'3", 185. He's out of Reno, Nevada. This kid, you know, when you look at his line, he's he's been in the minor leagues for two years. He's in high A ball right now. His career in the minor, he's he's six and eight with a four oh six ERA. He started nineteen games, uh, eighty eight innings pitched in his career so far in the minors. He's given up seventy eight hits, nine home runs. Uh, let's see, he's got. Zero, uh, I'm sorry, 28 walks. He's got 126 strikeouts. So there's the swing and miss side of things. A 1.2 whip. Okay, when you look at that, not bad, especially for a high A guy. He's definitely the best prospect in this hall that they're getting. Yes. So then the next guy, this is the guy that has me scratching my head. This is the guy that I think the twins said, um, if you want a deal, you're going to take him. It's Yannier Cano. And he's a right-handed right-handed reliever. He's 6'4", 185. He's 28-year-old out of Cuba. He was signed to the International League in 2016 and then signed by the Twins in 2019. Not impressed with his Major League stat line this year. That's for sure. Read it. He's been in a total of 10 games in relief. He has a 9-2-2 ERA through 13 innings pitched. He's given up 17 hits, 14 runs. He has 11 walks 14 strikeouts. That is not a good ratio. His whip, his whip is 205 out of okay. a reliever. So I agree with you that statistically, this doesn't look good. He's 28 years old, too. Okay. 
Who was Felix Bautista before last year? Isn't he 26? He's like 20, 27, 28. He's, he's getting up there. He's up there. All right. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying that he is Felix Bautista, but I'm going to trust the evaluators that found a Felix Bautista that they might see something similar in this kid. I just hope this isn't the mentality of, of Eric DaCosta. Take as many swings as you can. I don't think so. I don't think this is, is just adding guys to add guys. This, again, a four-player haul for a one guy. One guy who, let's set the, the record straight with Jorge Lopez. Jorge Lopez was an afterthought as a pitcher. He was an Up afterthought. Until this year, yeah. As a major league pitcher, he had not been very good. He was terrible as a starter for us. We had talked about on the show that more than likely his best role would be in the bullpen. But not a single body in here thought he would be a all-star representative and one of the better closers in the year in his first year as a as a closer, right? But I think he caught magic in a bottle, right? And yeah. it's 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 a small sample size. It's been three months. Three months of success for Jorge Lopez, and you turn that into four prospects. And it's not a matter of, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he's one of the best closers in baseball. Again, it's three months that he's been one of the better closers in baseball. One. Two, you're not replacing Jorge Lopez. You're basically taking everybody in the bullpen. Everybody bullpen gets a promotion. Felix Bautista was always going to be the future closer of this team. He is now the closer. CNL Perez now moves up as a setup guy. What you're replacing is the worst guy in the bullpen now. Everybody else just moves up. Now you're replacing that last arm in the bullpen, which we have plenty of arms. We have tons of depth. Nick Vespi has been banging on the door, getting a little bit of opportunities. Note Logan Gillespie, another guy has been banging on the door, getting a little bit of opportunity. These guys we can come in and 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 write the ship. I'm okay with this. If if Elias sees something in these four guys beyond just Cade Povich, who is the the best prospect in this hall, for a closer who's in his he just hit 30. Again, there's all the feel good story about Jorge Lopez and his connection to Baltimore yeah. and everything with his son and all that. I get that, but again, you have to set emotion aside and look at the business side. It's very similar to me for for Trey Mancini in the sense that he's just not part of the future success of this team. And again, it's a very small sample size. The only thing, the only thing that I would say to all that is this guy has been the back end of your bullpen. He's been your anchor for three right? months. Has he been your anchor for three months? He has for three months. Okay, but that in that three months, you have one of the arguably one of the best bullpens in baseball, statistically a top five nothing, bullpen in nothing baseball. Nothing changes with the rest of the bullpen. You it's know, just Jorge Lopez. Again, Jorge Lopez coming in with all the saves. He's the anchor of that bullpen. Okay. When you don't have an anchor, it starts to affect everybody else. Felix Bautista is a big-ass anchor. Just because he's a big guy. I'm just saying. He's throwing 101. He's mowing guys down. He is he does look good. I'll Everything give you that. Everything that you want in a closer. He is. We talked about it. He is Armando Benitez. He is Jorge Julio. He is the guys that we had when we were in our prime in the 90s when we were doing. Can he you is just let guy. me play devil's advocate? No, you're not going to play because it's ridiculous. <laughs> I understand the sentiment behind it. You just got to look long term. You got to look past the, the small sample size of success because I'm going to tell you, there's a bigger sample size of no success with Jorge, with Jorge Lopez. I'm losing my breath. I love Jorge Lopez and I love the story. And it was really cool to see him find a niche role. And I hope he has a very successful career. Uh, but we've seen it time again and time again, where closers, they have an, a, a very short lifespan of effectiveness 
We've seen it even there's very rare the Mariano Rivera. He's not a Mariano Rivera. <laughs> no, You're, you know the the Aroldis Chapman's right. There's he's not the Trevor uh, Trevor Hoffman right. There's only a few guys that you could think of John Wetland that were like great closers. Beyond that, there's closers yeah. Zach Britton who had a great year or two. Beyond that, they weren't anything. Their their careers fell off. You cash in when the iron's hot, and that's what they're doing right now. And I get that, right? And the other two guys they pick up a right-handed reliever, Juan Nunez, uh, who who has moved Spitting from a starting myself. he's moved from a starting role into a little bit more of a reliever role. They've they've had him start some games, but the expectation is eventually he'll be a reliever. He's 5'11", 190, 21 year old out of the Dominican Republic. In his in his minor league career, two through two seasons, uh, he's in low A ball right now. He's got a 1.1 whip, uh, which isn't bad. A 76 innings pitch, overall 3.2 ERA. Uh, this year, he struggled a little bit more with a 4.85 ERA. Okay, not bad. I'll, I'll watch him. I'll keep an eye out for him. He's still young. I like the idea, right? Left-handed pitcher Juan Rojas was the other one, six foot, one sixty-five, eighteen-year-old out of Venezuela, mm-hmm. an international pool guy. Again, been in their system for two years at this point. Overall, he's got a two five seven ERA across uh, seventy innings pitched. That's fourteen games started. Uh, and again, uh, he he's one that I'm watching a little bit more because he's got a sub one WHIP. Yeah. Right. So that's something you're you're keeping an eye on. You're keeping an eye. On. He's got eighty seven strikeouts. So he's striking out more than one guy in inning. Uh, I'm keeping my eye on, on this one. It's going to be intriguing. Again, it's still early for this kid. He has had struggles this year. He looked good his first year at one point eight ERA. This year. Struggling a little bit with a little bit tougher competition is the 3.6 ERA in five starts, uh, eight games total here, which is, again, why they're they're trying him in the bullpen a little bit. 30 innings pitched this year. He's given up three home runs and had 30, 38 strikeouts. So, again, in 30 innings, 38 strikeouts, one an inning. Okay, again, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the kid. I'm keeping my eye on these two. These are the two wild cards, right? If these if these two and Povich all or, or one of these two and Povich work out, then 100% the value is there. The where, problem where is... Have is we been evalu- where have we been dumping all of our money? We've been dumping all of our money into scouting and these, yeah. you know, the Dominican leagues and whatnot. I'm hey, sure we, we've been scouting these guys and for I'm sure, a while. I'm sure these guys have been on Elias and... and um, What's-his-face's radar, Sigma Dell's radar for a little while now. So it's going to be interesting to see what winds up happening, but I think we just need to watch because a few of these guys are – they're a few more than two years away. They're they're three, four, five years away at this point. Joe, what's your take on Jorge Lopez and the trade? I think it was a great trade. Yeah. I mean, because we talked about it before with – the draft, if you look, they took mostly hitters early on. Right. So they're behind in pitching, so they're going to try to – supplement that with Trey and Jorge and get more pitching back. Even yep. like when they traded Bundy, they got a bunch of pitchers. Right. And we, I think we got Bradish from that, which I think Bradish still has a ceiling. You know, he hasn't, he still needs to, uh, he done well his last start, but he needs to get back into it. And the command I, has been a little bit of an issue yeah, at the major but, league level for him. But He'll get there. For some of these guys, they're so young, like 18 years old. I mean, they can mold that guy and, Make them whatever they want. You know, I don't know what the Twins organizations are like, but I have more confidence in the Orioles and what they're doing. Yeah. And if I was them, I'd be jumping off for joy going, all right. You know, they, everyone knows that we're close. I know you guys are arguing about, you know, playoffs and all that. And you know what? Let's, whatever the season happens to be, it is what it is. Let the ride begin. They could make it. They might not. Right. They could... I predicted they're going to finish 500. I think they will. Maybe that makes it in the playoffs. And I hope but you're- you know what? <laughs> No matter what happens, 
everything that's going on right now is good for the team. You know, I know even losing Trey, but it's good for those guys to see, hey, we could lose our all-star. Adley Rushman could be out for two months because he got – not not that that's going to happen. He got injured or something like that. You need to find someone to be able to replace him. Right. So – yeah, I think yeah. it's good. There, there's a lot to unpack here. And you guys are right. And again, I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate because so, it's always sad to hear one one side of a story. Right. Yeah. So I try to give give everybody the other My perspective because I I do. You know, there, there's part of me that the internal part is, yes, I, I can 100 percent get on the emotional side and 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 play that card. But on the the, the to your point on the business side, and know, I felt the, both parts of it, like the initial right. reaction was, damn, it actually happened. Right. Like this sucks. I love and, Trey and as see, a player. You, you say for you, it's an initial reaction i can still see, and i know that you can too but i can still see and and argue for both sides now it's not just an initial reaction thing because everything's an unknown and right you know just like okay they 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 don't win one game this year in the the wild card what if we could rewind time and be the Avengers and Trey goes in there and we can find out what happened and Trey becomes. There's always what right, ifs I, to I, every year. But that, and that's my point, though, is is we can play the what if card either way. Yeah. Right. And that's the hard part in judging how these these come out, which is where it goes to your point of time is going to tell us. Right. Right. Time is going to work itself out and let us know what this if this trade makes sense, if it's something that we want to do. But, you know, it, just taking a quick second, because I know we talked about, the, and we didn't really dive into it, but the the whole series against the Rays and and Trey taking everything in, the Mo Gabaday, and we talked about all that stuff. It just, it it, it really all kind of like, it, it was that feel good moment. You were waiting for it to happen. It happened. The bullpen in that series on point, right, right against the Rays, one of the toughest teams that we've seen so far, and a team that we had one win against last year. One win. We are now seven well, and eight just against the Rays, the Rays. right, James? Right, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I had then, to get the Drew comment. Then, then you get the, you know, the Red series, who, the, you know, the Reds in, came into the series 38 and 60. So for, for everybody, it's like, why didn't you beat the Reds? Well, the Reds also may have been 28 and 60, but they're like, five and three over the last eight games prior to playing us. Right. So they were on, they were trending up. They were looking better. Started off good on Friday with the typical late comeback. Uh, wind up getting it. Santander with the two run shot. He does get drilled in the ninth with the benches cleared. That was an interesting situation. Yeah. Uh, benches clearing there. Everybody come out. Nothing actually comes out of it. Uh, but then second game in this series, Taryn Vavra to your point, finally makes his debut. After uh, sitting on the bench, you get called <laughs> up, and he sat on the bench for four straight days. It was ridiculous. They, and then they use him as a pinch runner to make his debut. Well, and then, then he comes out and makes his actual debut as a DH. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, make Odor the DH. I think Vavra is, you know, he's the better legs in that game. Goes for 0 for 3 with a man I, left like, on. Wasn't the whole, exactly pretty. The whole Odor thing, like... I love what he's done in the clutch, and he has been clutch in a lot of situations this year. We've seen then him keep him on the bench and, bench and pinch hit him. Yeah, but <laughs> I, again, a guy that's hitting below 200 and a guy that doesn't perform well defensively, like, what is he doing? Yeah. What is he Great doing? And if we're really guy. bought into this whole, like, Let's see what we got. Let's 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 progress along. Well, you got Vaver up here. You brought him up here for a reason. He has been playing a stellar second base in every level in the minor league system. Why not let him play there? You've got a plethora of outfielders. I understand Austin Hayes is having his struggles right now at the plate, but he needs to work through that. 
Vavra is is going to be a second baseman. Does he bring value in being able to be versatile and play other positions when other guys need Dave's rest? Yes. But his home is going to be in the middle of the infield, and that's going to be second base. There is no plan for Odor beyond this year. I'm sorry. Regardless of how much you like him and regardless of the clutch factor that he has, there's nothing of value to him beyond this year. So why is, are we not seeing Which is why Vavre I think he would, have, he would have been the trade piece. Go ahead, Joe. I got a good question for you. I just thought about this. So we have Gunner and Jordan Westbrook, okay? Mm-hmm. Westbrook. Westbrook, sorry. And Vavra. Is, do we have a whole new infield next year? Is, well, that's what we were talking about before, we have so much depth in the middle of the infield. We talked about this about a week and a half ago. Clearly, Joe doesn't watch the show anymore. <laughs> he comes on and thinks he doesn't have to watch it. Uh, but no, we talked about that. The the, the depth at middle infield, you're going to have to start to make some moves, right? You also just picked up Jackson Holiday. If he's here in two years, some of these guys are either going to have to go somewhere else or they're going to have to make moves on the field. One of the two is going to have to happen. But that's So that's, that's the other part of these trades that you have to be thinking of long term, right? All yeah, I think Stephen said some of them can wind up being trade pieces. That's exactly right. Yeah. All of these pieces that we're stockpiling aren't just for the future on the field at Camden Yards. They're going to be pieces that turn into other guys. When we start figuring out, out of all these guys that we have, who pops and who's going to work in the everyday lineup, and we need those extra couple pieces to plug in at this position or that position, or we need a couple extra starters, that's what these guys are going to be for. These guys are ammo to build for other trades, to add those pieces, to, again, make you a yearly contender. Not a one fucking not, shot in the pan, Not to mention year in and year out. Not to mention some of these guys that are currently on the team. And, and uh, Mussolini on YouTube just said it. Mateo, Mountcastle, Urias, like, these are all guys that they're either going to be here in the long term or they're going to be trade pieces for further depth down the road. So there's a lot that can that can happen out of this. Uh, one guy that in the bullpen that I did want to bring up was in the Saturday series. Kramer, had, Kramer did okay, but he struggled when he hit the fifth inning. Bo Solcer, a little bit of an unsung hero in that game. What is it with us and guys with the last Solcer. name Solcer? <laughs> Look, Solcer, he gives up two runs on three hits, going three and two-thirds innings with a walk and three strikeouts. Again, three hits, through three and two-thirds innings, one walk, three strikeouts. He ended the game with two shutout innings, saved anyone else needing to come in. So it was Kramer and him that whole game. So literally, Salser saved the bullpen in that game. It was an 8-2 to two game. It was already gone. He comes in and, and basically, for all intents and purposes, pretty much shuts down the Reds the rest of the game. Right. And saves our bullpen. So a little bit of an unsung hero there. Real for quick, Sunday Steve night. says these are garbage trades, Fred. You have to understand we got trash. We didn't get anybody good. That Steve, that just goes to show how little you know about the prospects that are coming in. And again, none of us can predict the future as to what these guys are going to do as they develop. But I'm going to put my faith in Mike Elias that he's got it figured out. He knows a little bit better than I do, you do, or anybody that's that's either a pro or negative these trades. I understand if you're upset about the trades, but to say that these prospects are trash, you have no idea what these prospects are going yeah, to bring. And in the that's, future. again, that's kind of what, what we've been, you know, talking about and saying like these guys, some of these guys, yes, they're giant question marks, but the, it's the youth, right? It, it's that you're hoping to, to take as many swings as you can. And hopefully you have more hits than you have no hits because the more hits you have, the better you are. Jorge Lopez. And this, this sums up your point. Jorge Lopez's trade value was never going to be higher. No, that's what I'm saying. You strike while the iron's hot. So you, while it's, it's you a have to do that. Trey, 
maybe it was higher prior to the the the, the cancer piece, right? right? But it, he still was doing okay now. Again, during that that period, let's be real. We didn't talk about this. One of the things with the Trey Mancini thing, we all thought, ah, oh, the Mets were the perfect place for him to go with Buck. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. It made a lot of sense. We knew that they said there was there was global known facts interest. that there was interest from them. Then they go out. What do they do? They go out and they get a first baseman. They go out and get a DH, and then they go out and get a, a an outfielder. Sounds like Trey was the perfect fit, but we couldn't work out a deal. Sounds like Elias so, got a better deal. So when we heard that, all of us said, "Okay, there's no trade that makes sense right now." So that's the thing is we need to take a step back and kind of say the value was there, the long term piece was there. When we. Steve. Come on, man. He says, let's state another fact. When this team gets good, they won't pay the guys ever. This is the cheapest organization in baseball. Your memory is way too short, Steve. (laughs) If you go back a few years back, not that long ago, they had one of the highest payrolls in baseball. Higher than the Yankees. Higher than the Yankees Mm -hmm. for a couple of years. Money doesn't mean anything. The Orioles will spend money, but they're not going to spend money for the sake of it. They're not going to be frugal. And again, this entire process was to get to that point. Long gone, again, are the days of spending money on Sammy Sosa and Raphael Palmero (laughs) 2.0 and all the guys that they brought in just to bring guys just to bring some asses in the seats those days are done they want to build a contender year in and year out and the way you do that first and foremost is what they got away from years and years ago and that was the farm system well they've addressed that and they've done a damn good job how of it long have got we... the number one farm system in baseball where they were the last farm system in baseball not that long ago they've got the and best to... in baseball and once those guys start coming to fruition like they are now they will spend money again in the future. And, and to, that, to that point, hang on a second. To that point, right, <sighs> the one of the things, one of the things that we've clamored for, I know as a longtime Oriole fan that has been at Camden Yards since 92 when it opened, Joe has had season tickets for years. We've always talked about the homegrown talent, right? It's been few and far between, and mm. there's been struggles. Well, guess what? We're in a position now. The, the player development, right? It's not even just the farm system. It's the player development overall. When you look at that player development, we're putting out guys that people want. People want these guys. We're finding the diamonds on the rough. We're getting these guys and bringing them to the next level. Now we're in a position that people, we used to covet. We used to covet other people's players. We're getting to that turning point. People are starting to cover, covet our players, that's where things change for every organization that Fred had mentioned earlier, and that's where we got to get to. We'll get there. Go ahead, James. I I want to just tell, like, Steve and Jeffrey, you guys don't know anything about what you guys are talking about. Like, we have spent ridiculous money on players that we should have never even touched and overpaid just to get fans in the seat. You can look at Houston. Houston never overpaid for players or paid players. Yeah, you had the Jeff Bagwells and this and that, but it wasn't what it was. But when they build the team that they're at now, there were nobodies. There was nobody in the stands. Once they started getting the, their, their fan base in there by their prospects, building a team, they traded for Verlander. They traded for, for um, McCann. You traded for all these players, and they spent the money, and then they still spend money today on signing um, – what's the trace? The second baseman. Um, Altuve. Altuve. Yeah. Um, and other players. So 
just because you have a high payroll, you can look back when the Boston and Yankees all had high payroll, even Toronto overpaying, and they don't win shit. What the hell does money have to do with baseball? Fundamental baseball, look at the Rays, look at the A's. Uh, the Mariners are doing it right now as well. It's coming around. The only ones that waste money, if you want to look at it, look at the Rangers. Look at Boston right now. No, the yeah, Rangers. They, they oh, pay the Rangers all half a billion dollars. money, and they don't do crap. It has nothing to do. We can spend as much money as and have the highest payroll. Got to spend it smart. still yeah. doesn't mean you're going to win and, games. And Adit says, we are not the A's in terms of spending. We had $180 million that's in payroll in 2018 and t- or 2017. So, yeah, and that's, that's kind of what we're getting at. So, we'll, we'll move on. That's what we're... I asked, when was your payroll higher than the Yankees? Learn reading comprehension, James. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting all right. Yeah, well, Jeffrey, j- chill out, dude. Uh, one of the things that we we need to we need to address and we need to look at is the fact that not only do we have all these prospects, mm-hmm. but the Orioles have now signed 15 of the 22 draft prospects from this year. So it begs the question: Does this mean that DJ Stewart is gone? <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Better. I would yes. prefer better. if that name's never brought up again on this show. That's uh, yeah. Look, I, I think it's I think it's great that they're signing all these guys. Uh, did you guys get the chance to watch the the Jackson Holiday uh, press conference? By yeah. the way, yeah. So I, I, just a few things to take away. He had the, the press conference last Wednesday when he signed his deal. They get they had his presser. Um, the kid is quietly confident, not cocky. He's quietly confident, yeah. which I like. His plan is to get to the majors in two years or less, he said. I like it. I like it. I like the confidence. I like the exuding that. I took BP. Everybody is saying had some good pop, looking good. Something he put on a little bit more weight, get a little more strength. Hit one 103 in batting practice. I think one of his first swings off the wall in right field. Yeah. So imagine just a little bit more work with him. Focus on some of the statistics. It's going to be good. Elias truly be, believes in this kid's potential. Yeah. Right? He basically said, like, we had everything in front of us. And God, God does he look like a genius now with the Drew Jones situations, which right. we talked about last week. But with all of that, I think they really are sold that this kid has a future. We we heard the whole thing of this is, the, the you know, two years later, this is the Bobby Witt. Yeah. This is the Bobby Witt replacement. So now you get both the players – you know, in theory, fundamentally, what you wanted, it's going to be good. The other thing, slight takeaway. God, Boris looks like a prick. He always has. <laughs> it's not, but look, he, I he mean, is a prick. It's, it's very me, rare that you see him up there with guys. To see him up there, he just, he's just he's exuded me. prick. Go, go ahead, I want to address the elephant in the room, Jeffrey. If you want to know, it was 1998. All right, look it up. Baltimore had the payroll of $71 million. The Yankees had 65. So go do your research, okay? Okay. Go learn your facts. Okay. Again, yes. Somebody said, oh, what are you talking about? A quarter century ago. (laughs) Yes. A quarter century ago, they had a higher payroll than than the Yankees. But even if you go back through the mid-2010s, they were always in the middle of the pack as far as spending money. So, again, it all just comes down to how you spend that money effectively. We all know how many contracts we've pissed money away on. We don't need to bring up the names. We know who those names are. If you're any sort of an Oreo fan <laughs> beyond three years old, like we all know what those monies, what that money was sp- wasted on. Elias has basically erased the board, erased the blackboard. 
He's built the organization from the ground, from its roots up. Now, if next year they don't start spending some money in free agency for guys other than Jordan Lyles and Rugnet Odor, then I will 100% support your take and I will 100% support your opinion, but give him time to get there. This was There was always a, a stepping process with this. He is two step one, mending his way to step two. Next step three is spending the money. And I think that's coming. It's not far away. No, it's not far away at all. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Oh, well. Social media shout out. It's <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> social media shout out time. Go ahead, James. What do we got going on over there? I'd be frustrated. I just want to also say uh, to Mussolini. Um, People who know me, I'm a baseball fan at heart. I'm an Oriole fan, but baseball is different to me, and the guys in this room know me. Yeah. I wear Ken Griffey Jr. because I grew up. I love watching him. There's a couple guys in here that enjoy. My birthday not, gift from Fred was a Ken Griffey Jr. I, I, jersey. So all, My favorite player of all time is Vladimir Guerrero. So <laughs> that's what it is. I have plenty of a lot of baseball jersey players because I love baseball in general. I love going to the ballparks. I love going to see different players. Uh, it's a different thing. Compared to football, I'm a Ravens guy. I would never wear a Steelers jersey or Browns jersey and all this stuff. So I just want to let you know. He says he's just messing with you, yeah, by the way. I understand he, that, but. He just, can't see your hat or your kicks, man. Yeah. It's the whole entire <laughs> That's what you guys don't understand. I, I understand, Moosley. I just want to let you know, like, I respect. I would never own a Steelers jersey or anything. <laughs> but everybody in here knows me. I'm a. Baseball guy in general, like I love baseball. Of course, man. And there's certain things. So and listen, I just want to dress. And listen, dress we all saw your guys' comments out there too. We were yeah. just in the middle of a heated debate as far as like there's been some guys in there that uh, have been critiquing 1057 the fan and certain personalities on there. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks. We appreciate you guys being in here and chatting and bringing up the support and all that stuff. And listen, if you if we have a bad take on anything, we're good with you guys criticizing our take. That's fine. Just be cool with us criticizing you, right? We're gonna we'll come give back. It, we'll give you we'll two sometimes. Listen, we are fans. Right, we just so happen to have a couple cameras and some microphones to talk about it. Right, <laughs> we do it every week just to have some fun. <laughs> Drew chiming in from a damn concert said, "Did yeah. you buy your Soto Padres jersey?" Yeah, yet? that's he coming. Must, he must have a. He must be having an that's awful coming. time at it. But go ahead, James. Man, who's in the chat room? Who's chatting it up? Tonight? Everybody's been chatting it up. Um, the first one in was John Googs, Chuck Summers, Jason Kamal, Mussolini, Steve Seaver, uh, Joshua, Steve Moore, Troy H, Garnett, Don C, Craig Zero. Jeffrey, the half-human girl, love the name. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie, uh, Ahmed, um, Stevens, um, Sanchez, um, Mac, Danny, Jacob Paul, and Thomas Morgan just made the cut getting in. Thank you for all the comments. Appreciate it. And uh, like I said, tonight will be my last for a little while, hopefully. Yeah, man. Uh, We're going to miss away. you, man. So yeah. I'll be missing the... Uh, you guys in the chat room, so I'll be chiming in, but I'll be away for about a month, and then uh, hopefully we'll get back into this. So yeah, yeah man. man, good luck with everything that's that's happening. Yeah, we appreciate, man. and I, I do want to take a quick second because James has been he, he's followed everything since you first started this thing. Yeah. He was our our you know first guy that we kind of brought into the fold from the outside, if you will. Yeah, uh, that, that was a, a viewer. <laughs> yeah, you, you became our our adopted our adopted co-host. OG BSers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, James, thank you for all that you, you've done, you continue to do, and you will continue to do, because let's be real. And we uh, love you your may terrible be away takes, for a month. James. It's okay. We love them. You may <laughs> be away for a, for a month, but I get a, I get a strong feeling we're going to see James Cruzy in the chat room I, yeah, uh, while, while he's away. James Bond 007 <laughs> in the chat room. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but no, again, thank you, buddy, and no, uh, you. always good to have you. Uh, but let's... Let's go ahead and turn the page now, and let's let's get into some flock talk, man. Uh, not a whole heck of a lot going on with the Ravens as they're in they're in camp right now. And speaking of James, James actually was just over there. Uh, what yesterday, right, James? Yeah. Yeah. So getting to getting to see the the camp, getting to see everything going on. Um, so I just kind of want to start with the Ravens and the stadium practice. You were kind of talking about it and had had some thoughts on it. Yeah, so I mean, the stadium practice is always cool. If you haven't had a chance to get down there yet, man, it, you should. Uh, as a, as Eddie fan, I mean, it's it's free. Doesn't cost you anything more than to park, uh, unless you find some free parking down there. Uh, it's a really cool event because you know the players they try to be interactive with the fans. They come over and they'll sign autographs and they'll do things with the fans. Um, you get to see positional breakdowns for those that like to see certain position groups work on certain things. It's it's great for that. Um, it, they put on a whole light show. It's it's a whole an event. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I didn't get a good chance to go this year, but what was cool is they broadcast it on all their social media platforms. They broadcast it on on YouTube, and I did get a chance to watch that. And one of the things that beyond the practice, because we're going to talk about the practice, there's some things that happened during the practice. I think fans are harping a little too hard on it. Was one play? It was one practice. We'll talk about it. But one of the things that I've always said about Lamar, right, is that. Lamar is there's a difference between being like a superstar on a team, being the the best player on a team and being that rock star personality. I say this about Lamar, right? This is what makes Lamar special and it couldn't have been any more evident during that stadium practice. If you didn't get a chance to watch it like I said, I mean, they had a session after the practice was over where all of the players and their families and the coaches and their families came down on the field. The Ravens put together an eight-minute eight minute video clip of this, and it's Lamar just walking around on the field and literally being mobbed by the players' families, by the coaches' families, <laughs> for pictures and autographs. I'm telling you, between each breath Lamar took, he was signing another autograph or taking a picture with somebody else's kids or taking a picture with somebody's wife or whatever it was. Mm. You talk about like, again, being like a, there's only a few of them. You think of, of Ray Lewis, you know, in his heyday, you think of Cal Ripken in mm -hmm. his heyday, you can put Lamar Jackson in that same class of athlete and, and just what, what type of person that he is and how, impactful he is to the community and you get to see that in this practice and it's it's um it was really really special man and you get to see him he walks over to the crowd he doesn't ignore the fans either goes over to the, the yeah. crowd and he's signing autographs with each one of them uh you know a lot of these higher paid athletes unfortunately they can make money on their autographs now by going to these autograph signings and a lot of them they'll be coached to not sign autographs well they can Lamar turn their does every chance an NFT now. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I just thought that that was really cool. Again, an eight-minute video that the Ravens put together, if you find it on YouTube, it's a really cool video to watch. Uh, just puts it in perspective of, of how much 
value he brings beyond what he does on the football team. Yeah, I, I think overall, and, I, and the one that stands out was, I forget who it was, it's standing there, and, and Lamar's signing autographs. And he, he, he himself, the, well, I forget what, which player it was, is standing there, jumping around, going, Lamar! Uh, it was Lamar. Morgan Moses. Morgan Moses, yeah. yeah. And then he comes over and he's like, these are my four kids. Yeah. Four or six kids. I forget how many he said he had. But, like, just the 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 youthfulness that he brings and, like, the that just shows you this is a guy that is a career NFL guy coming in and, and having fun. Mm-hmm. Wanting, wanting his kids to get to meet this guy. This is that whole piece, not just on the field, like you just said generational talent yep. on and off the field. And that's one of the things that you need to do and you need to look at is you need to say, this kid is somebody that can change an organization, right? Yeah. It, it's something that... And he know, looked good, too. I mean, in the practice itself, um, you know, you're not sitting there counting every pass that he makes and every throw that he makes, but obviously he found his go-to target, Mark Andrews, quite often. Mark Andrews looked really good. But I think for me, what I was looking at the most was the wide receiver core, right? Because that's, I think, the biggest question mark right now is, are the Ravens content with the wide receivers that they have? Are they going to bring a free agent in before the season starts? You know, what, what do the Ravens do? Well, you can't bank on them bringing in free agency. So you're stuck with what you've got. And, you know, some of the guys that we've been excited about, the James Prochets, the Devin Duvernays, the the Tylen Wallaces that just haven't had a whole lot of opportunity, they're starting to get that limelight now. They're starting to get that work, and you're seeing Lamar look for them more and more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seeing Bateman become that number one wide receiver that he needs God, to I'm be. I'm so excited to see him. He has season. to be that guy. And it's fun. You know, you got you got Marlon Humphrey out there. Uh <laughs> They had Bateman lined up against, uh, I think it was against Kevin Seymour, and Marlon came running over, pushed Seymour out of the way, and was like, "No, nah, I got this right." And they they had this like this cool competition between each other, one on one, the the number ones going after each other. I thought that was really cool because uh, listen, iron sharpens iron, right? They're the uh-huh. best of the best. That's that's, that's what you want to see, and that's only going to help Rashad Bateman's career go better get better yeah when you're going against the best it's one of those things that you you get trained to do it i think one of the things that that's good too is obviously you know we know who the prime target is right we know it's always going to be andrews and i think that the thing that you kind of point pointed out is that we still even in this practice they still didn't get away from it no he's going to be target number one yeah, and, and so that just goes to show you if you can get them to continue to do that, it, it's going to work out. And the D, on the defensive side of the ball, I think there's there's a lot of high praise. You mentioned, uh, was it the the rookie uh, Jones that's getting some praise? Yep. So I think I think that's one of the things that we we look out. Travis look out Jones, for him. I, listen, he's not just getting praise; he's by like coaches. He's getting praised by his teammates. You know, Michael Pierce. A guy that was with the Ravens for a while, left, went to the Minnesota, came back with the Ravens, has been speaking glowingly of Travis Jones. You know, there's there's guys that, you know, they come in and you can see that they're talented and that they've got all the physical tools, but there's certain things that just can't be taught right. and that are just natural, God-given ability. And Pierce says, this kid, Travis Jones, is it. This kid, Travis Jones, has got it. Now... We've heard similar remarks about Matabike uh, in the years past. So 
I'm trying to temper my expectations. But I'm telling you, this defensive line, if healthy, has got to be one of the deep, the deepest defensive yeah. lines that we've ever had here. As well, because it's not only de- it's 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 depth with not just youth or not just knowledge. It's depth with youth and knowledge, right? And yep. that is invaluable. We've talked about the tutorship, the mentorship that some of these older guys and, and some of these guys like a Calais Campbell, like a Justin Houston, are going to provide to these young kids. And you can hear it when you hear uh, Campbell and Houston talk. They're excited, yeah, because they get they get to transfer all of this knowledge, which then in their eye, in their eyes and in their mind goes, if I can help transfer this knowledge to this kid, I see the talent. He reminds me of so-and-so, or he reminds me of me, or he reminds me of that guy. If I can transfer this, he's going to elevate. That just takes all of us to the next level, and ultimately, what are they all trying to get? Especially Calais and Justin. They want a ring. Right. So they're going to do everything. They're going to impart every piece of knowledge. Let's, Why let's Calais not, came, Campbell came back. He thought that this gave him the best shot at winning a ring. Let's not you know kid ourselves either, right? These guys are are... On, they're trying to win win a ring on their way out the door. Mm-hmm. So for them, it is 1,000% in their best interest to be doing this. And it just gets you excited, the fact that you have guys like them, you have guys like Pierce that are singing the praise of some of these young guys saying, we see raw talent. Yep. That should mean a lot coming from another player that's established as some of these guys are, and that's what's exciting. Absolutely, and the other uh, the other thing I was watching on defense also were the DBs uh, because obviously last year we were riddled with injuries. Uh, we had a lot of guys that shouldn't have been playing that were playing because of those injuries. Uh, Marlon Humphrey looks like the Marlon Humphrey of old. He even had a punch out like normal against <laughs> Mark Andrews, which was cool to see. Um, one guy that uh, I think stood out to me in a positive way, Brandon Stevens. He just looks like last year we talked a lot about it. It seemed like week to week he, he was got taking little steps better and better and mm-hmm. better each week. And his versatility, because he can play at safety, he can play in the slot as a nickel corner. Like there's a lot of things that you could do with Brandon Stevens, and they need that guy. They mm-hmm. need a guy that can be pushed into many and multiple roles. Get out there for the snap. It's your yeah. turn. And his instincts, you can just tell, like this kid was a, a guy that was that a running back when he went to college mm-hmm. that converted to DB, right? He's just a an athlete. Like he can do it all, but he's also got a high football IQ. And that's what you see with this kid. Uh, I was a little skeptical when the Ravens took him last year in the draft, to be honest with you, because you think like, Man, a guy that you drafted as a DB, but has you know hasn't played DB a whole lot in his college career. Like, really, you're wasting what was it a fourth or fifth round pick on this? Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I was kind of skeptical in the beginning, but as I said, as the year went on, he sold me more and more. And in this practice, he looked great. So with it, not only just with the DBs, but with the defense, I've got a question for you that we've kind of you know we've we've played it and talked about it a little bit, right? We we talked about historically the Ravens under Wink had one of the more complex defensive systems in the NFL. We heard guys come here and say, this is, this shit's hard to learn. Right. Right. We're hearing rumors. It had, you haven't heard any players necessarily come out and like sing about it, so to speak, which they, they wouldn't, but we're hearing rumors that, that some of the, some of the guys are maybe saying that this is one, this, this simpler playbook is easier to understand and it's the fact that Mike McDonald's is explaining everything when he's teaching these guys the playbook. So how much of that do you kind of 
a tribute to some of these guys like a Stevens seeming to be taking a larger leap than originally would have been anticipated. Yeah, and I think you're going to see that happen with some of the rookies learning faster and being more involved in you know, getting more playing time than they normally would in a year. Right. Because you're right, I think Mike McDonald is going to have a more simplistic approach. He's going to put guys in position to do what they do best. And if that means getting after the quarterback, that's what they're going to do. I think Odafe makes a huge jump in so? year two. Yes, okay. I think whether it translate in actual sack numbers or not, I hope it does, and I think it will. But you think he'll be able to put more pressure on the QB than we've 100%. seen A 100%. He okay. is going to cause fits. I, I think he makes a huge jump. Uh, I do think, again, this defensive line, no matter what player you have out there, the rotation that they have, the, the depth that they're going to have, these guys are going to be able to go four quarters and be fresh the entire game. That only bodes well for them. Getting the getting these guys back healthy in in the back in the backfield as far as the DBs go and the safeties, there's a lot there's a lot to be excited about. I know right now, fans are a little bit up in arms because they saw Kyle Hamilton get smoked on a play in practice. But again, it's one play, it's practice, and he was lined up in one-on-one -on -one man coverage, which is not what Kyle Hamilton's going to be asked to do. This is a practice. This was a Ravens feeling out Kyle Hamilton and Kyle Hamilton feeling out the Ravens. Let's see. Let's test the limits. See what this kid can do. In the, in the quote, spotlight, because this is a spotlight when it comes to up to a practice. Right. You're in front of everybody. No, you're in the environment. No two ways about it. He got roasted yeah <laughs> he got smoked i didn't see the video. i didn't watch it live but i saw the video it was but again bad. it's 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 he will not be asked to play in one-on-one -on -one single coverage against a slot receiver that's not his thing that's not what you asked a roaming where safety he to do. has shined and where he will shine is in that jimmy smith kind of role the guy to be asked to shut down the tight ends the guys that's going to be the bigger targets kyle hamilton's a bigger guy jimmy smith was a bigger guy that's the kind of role. I'm not saying he's going to play outside corner because Jimmy could do that too. But the guy to shut down the tight ends, the guy to shut down the middle, that's what you're going to see with Kyle Hamilton. And you've seen him thrive, and we've heard him thrive in other practices outside of this one state. Mussolini, you sum it up really well. It was press coverage too. Ed Reed might not have been exactly. able to be a good in press coverage. We'll never know because he was very rarely, if ever, asked to do it. That's, and that's exactly right. That's kind of what he's going at. It's not his game. It's it's them testing you. Because here's the deal. If you know, if you can work and see a guy's weakness or opportunity, you can help to sharpen that. You can help to get it better. Then maybe down the road, maybe his game makes a leap next year, and next year all of a sudden he is asked to, to do some press coverage, and he excels at it in some way, shape, or form. Right. You strengthen a guy's game, but you can't strengthen a guy's game if you don't see where he needs opportunity. Go ahead, right. Joe. No, I was going to go right. to Joe. So one of the guys just, to me, <laughs> one of the guys to me that like, stood out in practice is a guy you should be very familiar <laughs> with. Oh, yeah. Jordan Stout stood out. I mean, he apparently I, I both I was going to ask this. about him. He put out, apparently put on a show with getting guys, getting the ball downed with inside the 10-yard line on multiple occasions. We're talking 50, 55-yard punts, putting on a show like, he, like Harbaugh has never seen. This is a rookie. Right, and this is this is why the Ravens used a draft pick on a punter is because 
his accuracy is what separated him from everybody. Like these type of kickers and this type of control don't come around very often. And and you could probably talk a little bit more about this, but Stout was used in multiple ways at Penn State. He wasn't just used as a punter. He was used as a punter, a kicker, and a, a leadoff kickoff guy. And he can and he can throw the ball too. Really? Oh, he God. can throw he's the ball. Sam Cook. for Sam Cook. Perfect. <laughs> Think about this too. He's also learning from one of the best in the game. Yeah, yep. yeah, Sam Cook might never make the Hall of Fame as a punter. I don't know how that, uh, that works. But, um, you know, he did it for a long period of time and was very good at it. And just him soaking up that knowledge makes him even that better. Right. So, I mean, the kid is a stud. Yep. We should just keep drafting more Penn State guys. Hey, Googs made a comment. I mean, away, uh, we got Stout. You know, I know McSorley got a kind of a shaky deal by us. It wasn't our fault <laughs> that he had. Deal. Well, he, he, he could have had a shot, but then, you know, he got uh, whatever. Cardinals picked him up, so. Yeah. yeah but uh, I'm just saying. Yeah. But well, we listen, are, baby. I, I like Jordan Stout. I like what he brings. And if you're going to replace a guy, a a, a ring of honor kind of guy in, in, you know, Sam Cook, why not with a guy like Jordan Stout? Ed. Uh, I just want to say when I went there yesterday, I wanted to see him. Yeah. Since college, that, that man has bulked up even bigger. And he's he's tall, too. He's, yeah. He, yeah, he's a big <laughs> kid. No, but I, if you, you would say anything that we saw him in college now – I don't know if he did any roids or anything, but he is big. He <laughs> is a big guy, and he was standing next he to him. He had some Sam crab Cook. cakes or some pizza. Sam Cook was right next to him telling him how to drop the ball, was working on technique there yesterday. But he was fucking booming those fucking things. And they were hanging in the air like you just like just saw the ball just like in the air, just like waiting <laughs> to, to come down. Like right. he's got a leg and um He was think, making sixty yard yeah, field goals too. Yeah, yeah. like but the the best thing is, can you imagine you're the placeholder now for Tucker now? I know. Like, like the amount of pressure that him, goes on was, that. But he, he he was like cool as anything. He just picked it, put it down, and he just tucked it back. Well, you so can that, learn that from Cook, too. I right, mean, that's true. That was part of the other thing that I was looking for in the practice was exactly that. So Tucker, Tucker went through a drill where he basically – took the ball back uh, about seven or eight yards each between each kick and stout. I mean, cleanly put the ball down, had the laces out like you're yeah. supposed to on each one of those kick and Tucker nailed every single one of them. Didn't miss a single one. So that was that part of it. I wasn't sure. I hadn't heard anything good or bad. Well, he was the place kicker in the senior bowl or not, he was, he was the, the, I'm sorry, the, the, um, no, I know the holder I'm just in the saying re, like reviews wise, I hadn't heard oh, anything okay. good, bad or indifferent about how he was as a holder. And that's a big that's a big part of Justin Tucker's success. It, and Tucker hey, will tell you that. Th th this isn't Ray Finkel, okay? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> saying. It's a part of his game, right? And I know we're, we're spending way too much time talking about a punter, but this kid. Definitely not. Uh, this kid. This <laughs> kid is exciting. Hey, appreciate it, y'all. They're, they're all saying we need to be the new two to six show. Well, I love that. Hey, Steve, listen, man. Hey, yeah, baby. I love the comments. Steve, Steve again. said it. Mussolini said it. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, I, just because we feel a certain way about something, stand your ground. I appreciate you. Uh, you yeah. backing your point up All too. Right. I don't agree with it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> can we? Um, can we talk about the uh, elephant in the room? Yeah, I guess the one we that can. can't. The one that can't pass a conditioning test. Well, he did. He, he finally, finally did. He finally, finally. did. Finally. But, yeah, Ben Cleveland, that was kind of worrisome for me. What is I mean, it, two weeks? Four days. Four <laughs> practices that he went with uh, without passing his conditioning test. And 
Didn't they? No, I know. Wait, didn't they give him the first the first conditioning test two weeks ago? No, his conditioning test was starting at yeah. training camp, he which is four yes. days. I heard it's crazy. They say it's no. nuts. It is, and it's always been nuts, and everybody will tell you that. But here's my thing: a rookie in Daniel Falele is 400 pounds. He passed it. <laughs> Michael Pierce, first of all. It's failed it before. 400 pounds. First of all, during <laughs> this is how funny this is. So during that practice video, they're you know scanning between position groups, right? And I see this guy, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's huge. And he's wearing a 58 jersey, and it's kind of like tucked up behind his belly, and he's got one of those uh, hoodies on, so I couldn't see the back name. I'm like, who in the fuck is 58? He, is, he doesn't look like he belongs on a football. It was Michael Pierce. <laughs> I was like, he, he was wearing a different number than he used to when he was here, so I didn't realize it was him. I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me <laughs> that guy passed the conditioning test, but Ben Cleveland couldn't? And I know Ben is a mountain of a man. He is a big guy. He had too many squirrels in the offseason, all right? Yeah, apparently that squirrel <laughs> is not good for your diet, my friend. You need to lay off and cut back on the squirrel. Four days of not passing it was surprising. You know what it was? He probably ate, he probably ate that uh, that bison that, that Derek Wolf shot. <laughs> something. Something. It's just kind of surprising to me. I mean, and it's valuable practice time. And yeah. if you want to get in Harbaugh's doghouse, it's not being prepared, not being in shape. Michael Pierce will tell you <laughs> what it's like to be in the doghouse for not being in shape. I, I know Ben Ben Cleveland yeah. was partly drafted because of John Harbaugh. It, Cleveland was a John Harbaugh guy. Yeah, like he went to DeCosta during the whole draft and said, "Let's get this guy." But at the end of the day, you got to be on the field if you want to be productive. And the left guard spot, Harbaugh has been very clear. The left guard spot is open for you to win it. It is open for anybody to secure that job. And you can't secure it if you're not there. So I was surprised at that. Googs, I got to laugh at Googs. Googs says he just got married. He's been too busy to work out. He said, nah, he definitely ate the entire wedding cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love it. No, I think, it, look, to, to your point, when you can't, I get that it's what Joe said. It, we're, we've always heard that the Ravens conditioning test is one of the toughest. Yeah. But look at the chain of success for the Ravens. It clearly works. Keeps guys healthy. Now, the question is, is it too tough that guys have to come into shape, can't work into shape? Who knows? But the deal is, this is you knew the expectation. Yeah. This this shows work. He ethic. passed it last year, right? Well, but see, that's the thing is this is this is not everybody that wants to say the conditioning test is hard. This is a test of commitment, and it's a test of how com how how well are you self motivated self motivated exactly in the off season to stay in shape to stay even if even if you want to eat for the first two months any way you want you want to not work out do anything you better know come July. Your ass better be in shape. Well, I don't I, care what I'm you're doing. I'm pretty sure Michael Pierce doesn't take a breath in between each chew. I mean, that guy just <laughs> looks like food just keeps going. He is huge. I was I was truly huge. waiting for you to be like, yeah, he was on the sideline eating a Subway sandwich. I said, who the <laughs> hell is 58? How is he wearing a uniform? It Barely. Barely wearing a uniform. Yeah. Anyway, so I got I to gotta bring up something that I was going to wait until Drew was here because... This is Drew's guy. He's listening. Uh oh. Uh oh. Drew, is this JK? Yeah, Drew, you <laughs> might want to put on earmuffs. Wait, uh, Drew said he. Wait, Drew's, wait. Drew's already gone. He rage has started. So, wait, did the Ravens sign another running back? I think he's got it on his fantasy team. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does. I think he has yes. every single running back on his fantasy team. Uh, Ravens running back. 
here's the thing with JK. There's signs to me that I really don't think JK is happy with the Ravens. I don't think JK is happy that he's not playing. I mean, he's made it clear that he's he's he feels ready. He feels that he is ready. I saw a video at training camp where he was off on the practice field, basically showing the coaches up, running around on the practice field. Oh, the one-handed catch? like Cutting up field and doing some things. He's he's on the pup list. He can't be, quote-unquote, practicing while he's on the pup list. So if he's doing it, he's not coach. He's not being coached and directed to do these things. He's doing it on his own. Again, he was on a practice field. To me, it looked like he was showing up Harbaugh, and he was showing up the coaches that I'm ready. I've told you I'm ready. I've told you multiple times I'm ready. I understand, and and, and Harbaugh's made it clear that these decisions come down to the medical staff making that decision as far as when he's cleared to practice. Mind you, things have with the medical staff and their decisions, things have changed this year. So, J.K., you know, if it is J.K. being, you know, hurt his feelings— I got a feeling things have changed a little bit. Enjoy your last two years of JK as a Raven, because once he plays out this rookie deal, I don't think he'll be back for multiple reasons. I I really don't think he's happy. The fact that he was even playing in that preseason game last (laughs) year and the last preseason game of the year to even run the risk of getting hurt. Then he got hurt, missed an entire year. Uh, Now he claims to be ready and wants to practice and the team is holding him back. I, I honestly, I think that he's got a sour taste in his mouth. I also think that J.K. is the kind of guy that wants to be the bell cow. He wants to be that that Zeke Elliott. He wants to be mm-hmm. the guy that's going to be out there. That's not what this offense is built around. This offense is built around having a rotation of guys, right? That's uh, what we've. That's what they've always been, especially since Greg Roman has been leading this team. Uh, I hope. J.K. is healthy enough to play week one, and I hope he has a great year. But I don't care how good of a year J.K. has. I don't have. A, I don't care how good of a year the Ravens have collectively as a team. I truthfully believe that these will be the last two years that J.K. will be a Raven for those reasons, and also we know historically the Ravens don't invest money into heavy money into the running back position. This guy, if he does come back and have the kind of year that we expect him to have and they could have, is going to earn him a contract that I think is going to play him out of Baltimore that will second, second-handedly send him out of here beyond him not wanting yeah. to be here. I, I, I can't say I, I disagree with you. I mean, I, I think there's, there's clearly something going on here. And I, I think the Ravens' intent, if, if I'm being honest, I think the Ravens' intent is protection. They saw what happened last year, right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking at saying, and I understand saying, the Ravens doing that. We're 100%. not pushing it. We get that you're ready. If you want to go out and do that, go ahead. But we're not putting you out there. Look, they can pull him out preseason game four and go, hey, we're not putting you out here, but you're active. You're going to be here for week one. Right. Maybe the Ravens have done a bad job of of explaining that to him. Maybe he's done a bad job of understanding what's happened. Hey, dude, did you not notice some other things change around practice too? Yeah, the they're back trying and to forth keep you with safe. Ian Rappaport about being on the pup list, not being ready for week one, like all that. There's just so many things to me that lead to me believing that he's not happy with the Ravens. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe feeling that the, like the Ravens don't have his back. Like that whole Rappaport thing came out, and then he goes on the pup list. You know, maybe he felt like what the what they asked, like Rappaport knew something that you guys 
weren't telling me, come the fuck on. You should be talking to me before anybody should be talking to Rappaport. Yeah, we like, don't know. Which, which we don't know what's going on, but that that could be part of it. And mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to explain. But then at that point, part of it, I think, then falls on the Ravens. Because to me, they didn't explain it that well. But then part of it falls on him that, hey, dude, we heard all offseason things are going to be different this year. Goog said, uh, pretty sure he asked to go out and play in that game for a possession or two. Talking about the preseason game last year. Yeah. I don't know. I never heard that. Um, you know, I know Harbaugh, that was the game plan, was to get him a drive or two. Uh, but, again, I just I, it was obviously the wrong move. Uh, in retrospect, you always wish you could have it a player back before an injury happens, but uh, there was just no benefit in him being out there. Joe opinion. or James, any thoughts on JK? Um, I think I need to get my tissues. I'm trying to get the inner Drew. I think you'd be very sad with your... <laughs> that oh. might is just an opinion. Oh. It's just an He'd opinion. Go, I just would That's what my I My Ravens. Well, that's my JK. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he can't leave my Ravens, you know. <laughs> just kidding, Drew. Calm down. Um... I, you know, these young guys sometimes don't understand every aspect of what the team needs to do. So I just think he's just not thinking it through, JK, personally. He can get mad as a reporter at the reporter, even rap report, but I just think he, he think about it. He's an athlete. He wants to be out there no matter what. Right. So he's going to say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, if the doctors say you're not ready, just chill out. Right. It's not Harbaugh. It's not the Costa. It's not even Ozzy. It's the it's the doctor and the medical staff. So what are you supposed to do? You prepare. You go through their rehab. I agree with you. You yeah. just follow the process. And the pro and he's young, so he's like he's got all these energy, all this energy and testosterone out flowing all over the place. So he, I don't think he understands that. Maybe no one's explained it to him. Right. But I mean, I could see that him being gone in two years. I mean, the, what's I think that's one position in the NFL that does kind of cycle a lot is the running backs. Right. You know, they're always looking for the next guy. Exactly. And that's historically two guys to replace the one. Right. Exactly. James, what's your take? Uh, you need the box of tissues? Got, nah, it's got to be. It's gotta <laughs> no be, emotional attachments. Nah, so it's nah, it's got to be tough for him, you know, because, you know, he's been saying he's been putting in the work. And it happened at, what, the last preseason game? So yeah. you look at end of August or. Yeah. yeah, like the third week of August, he got hurt. So, you know, he's doing his rehab and all that. It's tough. He wants to get back. And then you see all these guys coming in. And then I, I don't know if you heard, but I heard that um, what's-his-face that tore his uh, Achilles – I mean, not Achilles, ACL. Um, Gus? No. Um, Marcus? No, the guy that should have been cut, Hill. Oh, Gus oh. Hill, yeah. Hill might make the team and might be – Another slash God. running back. It might make the uh, be played used more than just special teams because until Dobbins gets healthy, so it, it's a mess. And you know you're not going to hear anything out of the Ravens about it. But well, like you said, Fred, it, it, if he's on the sideline running his drills on his own and all that, it, it just makes it's I, like I don't, showboating yeah. um, Harbs or the medical staff. To me, so. to me, that's what it looked like. I mean, the medical staff could have had him out there running those drills just to see how he does. They could have, but visually, to yeah. me, he was on a field by himself. I didn't see anybody standing around, and he's doing these drills, not in uniform or anything. He's just doing it in shorts and 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 t-shirt. To me, it looked like, hey, I'm here. See, I can do these things, even though I, you, you know, you don't think I'm ready. Yeah, uh, it was it was a bad look to me. And on top of all the other things. 
to me, it just adds up. I, I think that he'll be here for his two years and then he'll move on. Um, We'll see. Time's going to tell. That's what we'll have to we'll have to see how this winds up playing out. It, it could play out that way, and and maybe there's something something in the in the back burner that that get, winds up getting worked out. But who knows? No rules. No boundaries. Two topics. Thirty seconds each. It's time for the two-minute warning. All right, fellas, it's time for the two-minute warning. All right. James over there on the ones and twos standing up. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing, having to look up to James in this show. (laughs) All right, Uh, you're reading them out. uh, Joe's Joe's asking the questions. Jesus Christ, this is a shit show. Joe's asking the questions. You told me to ask the questions. He's hitting hitting the button for us. All right, I got you. Go ahead. Don't do anything. All right, here we go. The big MLB trade deadline um, move was today when 23-year-old Juan Soto go from the Nationals to the Padres for four prospects. A similar deal happened four years ago with Manny Machado and the Padres. <laughs> hmm, Padres, Padres. How do you feel about that Machado deal now? It's- yeah, I mean, you're right. Four years, basically almost to the day that that, mm-hmm. that trade went down. Um, I still don't feel good about it. <laughs> I still think Manny Machado should be a cornerstone with the Orioles. And when you look at the the return on investment that you get with the trade, uh, Usniel Diaz is finally here on the bench he's four he's years Bar- later Barbara. he's finally <laughs> here right he was supposed to be the centerpiece of this rylan bannon is just another guy that's going to be a 3a 4a kind of guy dean kramer has come yeah. on pretty nice this year but yeah but outside of that i mean zach pop zach pop and valera never really kind of Pop's evolved in, uh, miami I no think. he's the blue jays or pop, yeah, Zach, pop you you want to get rid of him you release it it just doesn't make sense diaz finally getting up here four years later you, Clearly, the Padres worked out on this side of this deal. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very clear to, to us. But this was also a deal when Duquette was walking out the door. So yeah. just going to leave it there. All right. And number two, it sounds like a loaded question for me. Fred, you have Ravens tickets, season tickets. Scott, you have Oriole tickets. Is Baltimore a football town or a baseball town? Not sure where this question came from, by the way. I think it was Drew. Probably Drew. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to answer it as a real realist about Baltimore fans. It, we are a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately town. It's not a baseball town. It's not a football town. It's, hey, whatever product's winning, I'm going to get behind and I'm going to support. And that goes to show in the audience support. Yeah, I think for me, I, the way that I would answer that question is, is very similar, right? Where are we at in history? Because if we're talking in the the 80s even into the 90s with cal and everything even when we weren't there it was a baltimore it was a baseball town you talk about since 2000 from 2000 to really about 2012 2015 it was a a ravens town it's it's been in between it's shifted back and forth at times with with the, the ravens losing at times the orioles having a little bit of success to your point what have you done for me lately? That's what the town is. Yep, and so you put a winning product out there, we're not going to back it. Exactly. That's just basically the way this town is. Take us out, Fred. All right, man, we appreciate you guys chiming in, as always, tonight. Thank you for all the comments, the good, bad, and ugly. We like them all. We don't discriminate here, but we will fire back. Just be prepared for that. <laughs> uh, appreciate you, Joe, for coming out and oh, filling no in for Drew while he's out there getting his rager on against Race Against the Machines. 
Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, Let's just hit another welcome double. Welcome back anytime. Welcome yeah, back four, anytime. Four nothing the last time I saw. Well, nice. look, James. I told as, you they're going to keep winning. As Scott said, man, appreciate everything that you've done uh, with this show. You know, our friendship goes way beyond this show. It's been yeah. around for many years, and uh, we'll always continue to be that way. This chair will always be open for you to come back. So, whenever you're ready, We're it'll be ready for you. We're going to make some memories on Saturday. Yeah, man. Six nothing. <laughs> All right. Well. For you, if you haven't done it yet, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you're sharing the post. Make sure everybody out there in, in Birdland, Raven's Flock, knows about Birdland BS. Uh, if you want, follow me on Twitter at FredBLBS. You can follow Scott at ScottBLBS. You can follow James at JamesBond2032. Be a pen pal. Now he's not going to be a part <laughs> of the show. Now you can send him messages on Twitter. Make sure you're following Joe at Vito Spumani. <laughs> underscore in between there. Come on. <laughs> I need some more followers. <laughs> he's an ice cream. Uh, we'll be back next yeah. Tuesday night, 7.30, as always. For myself, Scott, James, Drew, who's down at uh, Rage Against the Machines. Joe's over on the couch. Shabble who comes in every once in a while. Anymore. I don't even know at this point. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See ya. See ya.